to the Deep Dive. This is episode 54, round 22, review. How are you, Mr. Smith? I am going excellently. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Trent. And we're nearly there. We're nearly there. It's uh, the penultimate round, as I would say, before finals. It's a bloody long season for only 18 teams, but we're nearly there. We're almost on the finals. It's getting exciting. There's a few teams that got knocked out so we'll have to chat through that this round we're going to do a bit more bigger picture i think chat through this episode because there's a few blowouts and there's not as much to talk about through some of the games yeah not the most ex- i mean it was exciting for a lot of reasons but game by game it probably wasn't as good of a round as we've had for the last probably month yeah in a lot of regards so yeah and, and talking bigger picture coming into the finals obviously now uh, it's almost of the teams are out and 50% of the teams are still going to continue uh, one or two, which is still to be cited. So I think it's a good idea to talk a bit of reflection reflection and and see see where teams are at and all that type of stuff. That's it. So we will obviously do the normal, go through every game. Before we do that, we've got a few things, a bit of housekeeping to attend to. So first thing off the top, massive thanks to our sponsors at Hopster Home. So the August pack is well and truly here now. So as we've been speaking about the last few episodes, so one of the beers out of the new pack that we've grabbed for tonight is a Hope Brewery, which I'd never heard of. So they're actually from the Hunter Valley. So this is one of the things that's really good about Hopster Home is that you do get to find really interesting and unusual craft beers from all over the country. So if this is the first time you're listening, Hopster Home is a craft beer delivery service. So there's hundreds of different craft breweries out there now and through Hopster Home, you subscribe to them on a monthly basis through two different size packs and they'll ship them out to your door. And it's fantastic. It's fresh. It's fantastic. There's really, really solid beers and it's a really nice mix. So this this month's pack had a couple from Victoria, a couple from New South Wales, a couple from WA as well, all over the show. So they're really, really good at picking out really interesting beers from across the country. So and this, um, really interesting. And this rye IPA is perfect for that sort of winter spring crossover yeah. although if you live in melbourne it doesn't feel like a crossover at the moment it's still very wintry but um, eight degrees outside right now eight degrees but it uh, has a fairly high alcohol level without it being too noticeable on the palate and gets you gets you warm and it's great gets you to, going gets you going <laughs> and great uh, great to accompany the footy with that's it so yeah massive thanks as we say to our friends at Obster Home they're really switched on guys doing a really cool thing with a business model that definitely really works so check them out you saw on their Instagram at the moment they've got uh, shower holders for beer cans so if you Need a beer in the shower? They've got it sorted. Sorted. So now uh, the makers of tablets and iPads and things just need to put a, their put brains up. together and get a, a device that can be put into Waterproof. the shower and then you can have beer and footy in the shower. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> just in case you, you couldn't spare two seconds away from, from any exactly of that. Exactly right. So. But never spend the whole game in the shower. We are still in the middle of the drought in Australia. <laughs> Probably not. Don't <laughs> two-hour showers. Yeah, pretty harsh. Too much. So yeah, massive thanks to our mates at Hops Home. Check them out. And as an AFL Deep Dive listener, you get $25 off your first pack if you use the promo code AFL Deep Dive. So that's a really, really good deal that you should definitely take advantage of through the AFL 2018 season. So a few other things as well. So a couple more little housekeeping things before we bang into the round. So I am going to be away for about two and a bit weeks. Now, what that means in terms of the podcast, so this trip was planned well and truly before we had a podcast and semi-commitments to get this out to you, but 
I am. I'm. I'm just going to be in the state, so it's not like I'm, you know, going into the middle it's of the to Sahara or, Desert or, or something. Mars or anything. No. So, which is effectively the Sahara almost. So, yeah. So it's nothing too crazy. So we should be able to get, you know, with the time zones. We're not sort of, you know, in terms of the trip, it should be um, definitely doable to to do episodes. I don't think we're going to get the time or the ability to do multiple episodes. But obviously, as you guys know, so I should have said off the top, but we are recording this. Well, if you're first time listening, most of the guys and, you know, guys and girls will know by now, we record the review on Monday night. So we're aiming to kind of do it Monday or Tuesday next week. But obviously, with the time difference and flights and and everything, we we were sitting down before trying to figure it out. But we'll, we'll figure it out. But I think, obviously, so it is the bye week. So we're not looking forward to any games on the weekend, but we will definitely still do an episode during the week to sort of look back on the the games just gone. And then we'll do a bit of a look ahead to the finals because by the end of of this weekend, we're going to know who's Who's going to play who who. and where and all that type of stuff. Exactly, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely drop an episode. So don't don't worry, it's still going to stay uh, fairly frequent and then the following week we'll do do the preview of the first finals and and really get that up and going as well and then i'm back after after that so i only missed that first bit and so i'll we'll everything sort of normal service will will resume for the the prelims the brownlow and then the grand final so then, then it just becomes completely yeah, so normal so. ultimately it's worked out at the best time really considering you which was intentional organised this holiday like a year and a half or two years well, ago so the people I'm going with aren't into AFL but I was very specific with this time frame and they were like why are you being so specific and I was like bye week like it means that I don't miss too much football absolutely and then but then on the holiest of holy the, the, week, yeah. weeks are the three weeks it's after my religion that. you're yeah. offending my religion by forcing me to go away so you've got to be back in Melbourne in terms of, of, of the podcast, so that that's basically the the go. So we will we will do it as normal, but yeah, it's probably going to be a bit too difficult to do the review preview. But on top of it, obviously, in the first weekend coming, there's there's no game, so that not this weekend, obviously, but the following. So that that kind of makes it slightly easier. But also, just as a refresher, we did say a little while ago, and really regular listeners will remember this, but we did say a while ago that in the buy round, we'd start to do some of the re- like season reviews of some of the clubs. So we're going to park that mainly because we started to think that it might be better to do that after the trade period. And it means you guys have got a bit, you've got content that's a bit more sort of spread out as well. And then it means we're not trying to record a million hours of podcasting in a small frame of time. So what we're going to do, so just, just as a heads up in terms of we will review every club. We, I promise we will do it all. Uh, as to how many per episode, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. We were talking about doing six, six, and six, but I, I can feel, especially if we do it after the trade period, it might even be better doing it in threes or fours or whatever. But we'll figure it out. So as soon as the trade period is done, we will do season reviews for, for everyone. So for, for listeners for that barrack for dogs or Carlton or some of the teams that... You know, Frio or some of the teams that aren't going to be playing finals. Don't worry, we will absolutely do um, some time into you guys. But we are going to, we, we're just going to leave it till after the trade period. And then it means you're doing a full season review once we know, you know, who the yeah. club's picked up, who's gone, who's retired, all that sort of stuff. And abso- that's absolutely true. Plus, we've got the Facebook Live show right. so on, yeah. on Tuesday nights now. So even while your teams aren't playing, there's going to be stuff coming out of teams yeah. and, and scenarios that we'll touch on during that anyway. So yeah. definitely tune in on uh, to our Tuesday. Facebook on Tuesday, yeah. 
AEST yep. on the Beyond the Game TV page is Facebook where we're page, doing yeah. it. So that's the next thing. So in terms of the Facebook page and the Facebook show, we are going to continue that while I'm away. So there'll only be off the top of my head, I think two, but there may be three. But we will continue that. We're just going to do a Skype thing. But it, uh, we've chatted with Ed from Beyond the Game who's pretty switched on tech-wise, which is very much why he's on the team. So it sounds like that is is possible. So we're going to try to keep that going. This week will just be as normal and then there'll be a few the following. But I just wanted to give a bit of heads up in terms of the bye week. We also thought as well that regardless of me being away for a bit of the back end of the season, if we did do a, let's say we did a season review of, of a club that's just missed out on finals and then a whole lot of things happen in trade periods, somebody retires, then we almost have to do another 10 minutes yeah. on that club anyway. So I think let's just wait until we get to the end of the trade period. We'll cover the trade period as normal as we've said. And then after that, we'll review all 18 clubs in alphabetical order and just go through the whole lot. So, yeah. But anyway, really, really appreciate you listening, guys. And we will definitely attempt to... We did some tests already on recording it remotely with me away and Mr. Smith in Australia. It sounds like it's it's absolutely going to work. So we'll, we'll definitely try our hardest to make that happen. So obviously there's a small chance of tech issues, but I think 99% it's going to be fine. So Yeah, absolutely. But we are, let's, uh, yeah, big also, yeah, uh, just to, to park over it again, big um, reminder, yeah. So the, the Beyond the Game show, which we, we're, thanks so much to all of you guys for the, the feedback around the show. We really appreciate that our listeners have uh, really migrated onto the, the show yeah. and really enjoyed it. And I think uh, people are really liking that we, we do do also another show that's kind of a bit more general rather than, you know, kind of going into the game as heavily as we do. And we kind of, you know, go a bit more of the overall topic. So if you haven't seen the show, you can check it out on Beyond the Games Facebook page, which you can easily find up on our social media. I'll put it in the description as always. But the, yeah, the show, I, I yeah, really appreciate everybody listening. And, and we've been really um, sort of, you know, chuffed by the, the numbers already. And people seem to be really enjoying it, which is great. So that we, that's why we're doing this. We're doing this for fun. And it's, um, yeah, it makes it a, a lot more interesting, a lot more fun knowing that a lot of people are listening. And it gives us a chance to answer your questions as well. So if you guys have any questions, for us, shoot us uh, on any of our social media, which I'm sure you know how to find, or on the Beyond the Game, or during the live, during the actual show, you can pop onto there and answer questions on Facebook Live, which is which is fun. Yeah, and as football fans, we do want to talk about some other stuff going on in the land of AFL. Obviously, not the issues too much unless they're uh, really pertinent. Uh, pertinent, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that gives us that platform to be able to do that. While definitely we love going deep into each of the games. Yeah. It's, it's a nice break. It's a little bit more enjoyable for us. We can relax a little bit more. We don't have to sort of look into stats too much. We don't have to watch a lot of the footy to be able to do the Facebook. It's more live. kind of general conversation. Yeah. So for example, a bit of a preview. So some of the agenda coming up this week. So we're going to talk about the Coleman. So we just don't have time to talk about that game by game as much. We will talk a little bit about Ben Brown being held goalless, for example, but we're not going to do an overall chat tonight in this episode on the Coleman race because we just don't have time and we're doing game by game. But tomorrow night on the show, we will do that because it is getting really tight. It's interesting with who's playing who. The Cats have got a very low team in Gold Coast, so Tom Hawkins has got a big chance. But then also Jack Rewalt, you know, Richmond have got a chance too. So yep. that sort of stuff. So we, we're going to do a few different things and there's some really interesting questions that have already been sent through through for that. And we will do a bit of a preview on, on that episode of the Hawks Sydney game as well, because it's obviously such a massive game in the in the next round. But that's kind of an idea of the sort of stuff that we do. So yeah, let's before yeah, I think let's that's I just, I just wanted to sort of get through a few things before we get into the round. So big thanks to Upstone. 
Uh, we will definitely try to get episodes out. It sounds like that's going to continue, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be possible to do two, but we will definitely pump out at least the one. And yeah, season reviews and all that sort of stuff is going to happen post the trade period because I think it just Which makes, makes more sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was. I think we were trying to think of, of something to do during the bye week to fill it out because there is no games. I think we thought, well, it'd be fun to kind of fill it out with something fun and interesting. But it, if we do something like that, then it just makes it, it too difficult. And I think given we're doing the Facebook show, we're kind of using that to do things we would have done yeah. in the bye week anyway. And ultimately, we're going to be able to fill up the bye week anyway. With yeah. well, either side, like if, if you break it into two. We still have to review this yeah. coming round, and then we've still got to preview the, the finals. Yeah. And I think everyone who's listening out there, that regardless if your team's in the finals or not, but loves AFL finals football, we'd love probably go a little bit deeper. So we might touch on the overview next week, and then the yeah. following week we'll go a lot, a lot deeper into the games and whatnot. But yeah, anyway, thanks. That's it. So we just wanted to get through a few things off the top. So thanks so much for listening. Let's bang into round 22. So only obviously two or one more round to go. And very, very close to finals now. So yeah, pretty much the stage is set, isn't it, after this round? So Friday night, 17th of August, Richmond versus the Bombrays, 81-73. So really close game in the end. The Tigs by eight points. So we tipped the Tigs. At that stage, we didn't know. So... We knew there was a couple of clouds. We knew Lambert was out, and we knew there was a cloud on Prestia. We didn't know Cochin was going to be out, and we didn't know Prestia was going to be out. So they're four pretty major outs that we didn't know. But regardless, we sort of thought, look, probably just Richmond. We kind of felt Essendon had run out of a bit of gas, and in the end, that kind of came to play. But it's interesting. I mean, if, if Bagley and, and Hocking make those goals late, then we're having a very different conversation. Very different conversation. Obviously, Fantasia out for yeah. the, the Bombers we weren't 100% uh, confirmed on that out at the last it seemed pretty unlikely that he was going to play but we weren't 100% 100%, so look and and that's no that's not to suggest that he he makes the difference I think he might have have, but the Tigers I think it played out in in the way that a lot of people sort of saw it the Tigers took control of the game nice and early uh, got themselves a good lead and just held on for the win they could have obviously pushed a little bit harder and players like Caddy and Martin uh, obviously performed stepped, really well performed really well and stepped up when they needed to just to keep that buffer out but yeah by, by God that last 10 minutes I think there it was, was tight. definitely a lot of nervous Richmond supporters in the in the grandstands and at the pubs around Melbourne yeah I mean Richmond obviously it was an interesting situation so Richmond couldn't lose a top two position so they, they were looking quite good but that said they don't want to lose regardless and they want to keep the MCG record going so there was this kind of extra layer of mayo on it yeah. and then Essendon you know they were, they were still playing for a small chance in finals to, to make finals and then on, on top of it you know for a bit of pride as well but I think ultimately with this game so yes it was a close game but with so many players out you know so many key players out of the Richmond side you know Cochin played only 50 odd percent of the Gold Coast match prior and then obviously none of this match they've got their eyes set on September and and yeah, it made sense to do what they did We got a couple of questions during the week. Do you think Richmond were a bit cocky in doing that? I don't think so. I mean, I think ultimately Richmond, uh, you know, they're they're planning for deep into the year. They've got to utilize the buys and any smart team's going to do that. And I think they were confident, even with a few people out, that Essendon was starting to run out of a bit of gas. And ultimately, Essendon, like Sydney last year, they really left their run way too late. Yeah, I know, I know Sydney ended up making finals, which was incredible. But we're but, talking about yeah. a team that has essentially only missed 
three finals appearances in about 20 odd years yeah so they're comparing Sydney to other teams is a little bit different they've just got a culture of playing finals and I'm saying the Dons don't they just don't have not to the, the same degree. Not that, yeah, they don't have the same degree they will like, yeah. and just going back to that question about the Tigers yeah. potentially being um, arrogant or cocky for them to be that that would mean they would drop Cochin, Martin Caddy Rewalt they would drop a lot of their stars. That that's that's a sign of arrogance. What they were doing there was management and player management. I think what was more arrogant was not even bothering to take Nankervis up to the Gold Coast. That was NBA level of don't care. But it was funny. I didn't bother taking their ruckman. They knew they'd win anyway. But you yeah, know, oh. I mean, it's it, I, I don't think so. I mean, no. ultimately, it's it's here's the reality. It's such a long season. This this game is so long in terms of the structure of it for the amount of teams and everything going yeah. on. I think if it was a seventeen game season, you'd see a very different scenario most of the time and the grounds that they play on are rock hard almost Some rock hard terrible, now yeah. so that that fatigue on the bodies and the joints and stuff like that and well, you hear you hear players post finals and especially when they retire they they tell you that they go into finals and none of them are 100 percent. so well, where they can rest players yeah. they will and that's the thing i mean you're right even with richmond playing a lot of games at the g that said they still you least if you get the opportunity to do it you have to do it doesn't matter who you are so yeah. but ultimately i mean yeah i think essendon they left. They clearly left their run, you know, way too late, and and that patch in the season just really, really hurt them. And I don't think they, you know, we'll, we'll obviously go to it heavily in the season review. But you know, there's a few management things that just didn't work, and yeah, they, it took them a little while to get it right. I think they're a massive threat next year, and I, I think they're a big chance for top four next year. They're, I think they're, they're going to be that good. But, I, yeah, I, I think they've got to work on consistency and a bit of their mental side of the game and freshen the list up yeah. slightly. And then I think they're going to be really damaging next year. But Richmond got the job done and, and extend that record to 20 in a row at the G. Yeah, it's amazing. So talking about consistency, and we can either touch on it here or go into it later in the discussion about this. Uh, MRO and handing out fines or potential suspensions for punching. Devin Smith. Well, I was going to say we can do this in the in the show tomorrow. We're doing we, the show? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. We'll talk I, briefly I, on it. Yeah, but. I think if... The AFL are going to stamp it out, and I love your opinion on this as well, Trent, yeah. that what's more important to the outcome, the intent or the actual physical outcome from that incident? Because his intent was clear. He wanted to punch yeah. the opponent in the head. To me, that is worse than the intent to punch in the body and copping someone in the head. Because if he does hit in the head, make a connection, the precedent's there. He's done for seven weeks now, yeah, or so, thereabouts. So to answer it, yeah, we we had a, we've already had a few questions sent through for tomorrow. We will chat yeah. about this on the show, but to go through it briefly, I yeah, I mean, I for me, if it was my call, if I'm Steve Hocking and and I've got some influence within AFL House, I I think he needed to get a suspension for it. Yeah. Because I think, it, and not it, not having a go at Devin Smith, anyone needs to have a suspension for it. Yeah. Because this sort of stuff has to be stamped out of the game. And actions like this need to be put in a light where players just think it's absolutely not worth it, even attempting this. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it the has to be stamped out of the game. Yeah. I, I have no interest in this. Just play the game. I think it's a waste of time. I'm sick of saying it in the game. So I, ideally, I, I would prefer that. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that's awesome. Just wanted to get your opinion yeah. on it. But we'll go into a bit more detail to, tomorrow night then. That's it. So, I mean, yeah, first quarter, four goals. So, Richmond quite accurate early. Four goals to two, three. So, it was pretty close most of the night. Second quarter, five, six to four, four. And the flow of the game was quite interesting from there. Richmond really pushing away 10-8. So, from five, six to 10-8 in the third quarter. So, really impressive third quarter from the Tigers. 
and then the Bombray 7.5, so 4.4 to 7.5 is not too bad either, and then 12.9, and then 11.7. So the Bombers came late. I mean, ultimately, as I said, those kicks, it's a, it's a simple thing, and it's something that we speak about a lot. Scoreboard pressure, you know, just, just hurts so much, and with that Bagley miss and that, and that hooker miss as well, it's it just kills you, doesn't it? And those two... Like, yeah. And it's not just that they kicked around the body and did the Stevie J style. I mean, if you can do that, then do it. But they, they didn't execute either. And yeah, it's it's disappointing because they nail those two and they win the game and they, they do slightly keep the chance alive. And anyway, but I think ultimately, I think that the... It was a funny game. Like I think the the pressure was okay early, but I think both teams kind of looked a little bit sluggish. It took a little while for everybody to get going. I think both sides. I think there's a lot of sort of feeling each other out. Although Essendon's inside 50s early on were just too slow. So I think that's partially why they had that inaccuracy. It wasn't just necessarily poor kicking. It's just their inside 50s were so slow that by the time they got a mark inside 50... Which was, that, there wasn't many. There, was there wasn't five. Yeah, so when they got those chances, their opportunities were in really poor positions or they were forced to do it on the run. So, And that's the big problem. When you're playing Richmond, you've got to have really high efficiency and then on top of it, you've got to have really good accuracy and, and quality. And, inside 50 yeah, if you entries. Can, yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think it's been touched on enough about uh, and the style of how to beat Richmond. There's lots of theories. I think if you can take marks inside your forward 50, you're going a long way yeah. to putting scoreboard pressure on Richmond because if it does hit the ground, we've seen time and time again the pressure around the contest and the ball once uh, it hits the deck. Richmond defenders and their mids that are there just put on so much pressure to the, yeah. anyone who's got the ball for the opposition that you stand, they're, yeah, they're pushed sorry. and pressured to kick yeah. or handball inefficiently and, and that's the result. If you look at the stats from this game, we'll go into them a little bit soon. The damning one is the marks inside 50. As I said, Essen only had five and Richmond had 17. Yeah, and so, that's the thing. You're not With those sort of opportunities, you're 100% right right you're just not going to get much of a chance but i mean ultimately yeah they they the delivery was simply too slow and and that and that's damaging so yeah. for all the ways we just described i mean is grimes better than rance I'm glad it, you brought this up. He, I, we spoke he, about this on Twitter with some of our listeners. I, he's I think, unbelievable. He is Mr. Consistent, Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Beat anyone in that back line. Whereas, and we've said it a few times throughout the, the year, Rance has a specific role. He's bloody good at it. Yeah. But people who are smart enough and they've, they've got a forward line to be able to spread the rest of the team, you can take Rance one-on-one and, and beat him. But if he's allowed to play that loose-ish defender like your um, McGovern's and yeah. stuff like that, he will tear a team apart. Well, Grimes Which is just Grimes elite. Is great. Yeah, he's he's elite. elite, yeah. And he's, his, his running patterns are amazing. He's, he reminds me of a bit like Corey Enright. I was going to say, I was just about to say he's yeah. their Enright. Yeah. I literally had that on, just, on the edge of my time. And, and you could put him on into the midfield if you need yeah. to, but why when he's so, so elite? In the Sometimes defense. he goes up yeah. and he's, he's unbelievable. No, I, I thought we would agree on that. Yeah. I like Gulfi as well. We've spoken about him a couple of times, Essendon's uh, young player. He, he's doing really well at this level. I think it's obviously going to take him a bit of time, but he looks like he fits into A grade, which is great to see them picking up some really quality kids. The Dons, I mean, the, the big problem was they were offensively unorganized for a good half of the game. It really took a while to get their offensive structures right 
and you know well, we did speak a bit about that before but just generally even through the center of the ground just just was slow but consistently unorganized I thought their field kicking was a little bit down as well. That hurt them too. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, Richmond, just they take so many intercepts and they take them so high up the ground compared to so many other sides. I saw a graph during the week, which um, for a, a really um, interesting guy on Twitter, we might get him on the podcast at some stage next year just to go through some of the stats and some of the more obscure and wacky stuff. But in terms of like patterns of intercept marks on the pitch and Richmond constantly take it so high up the ground which is just so damaging because it means that they're taking them at points that means they're only really a kick away from getting another inside 50 so because they're so high up the ground Stringer in the center I thought was actually okay he actually I thought I thought he he wasn't you know he's he still had you know the yips in terms of his set shots which you know that's really been an issue over the last few weeks but he was okay. I actually didn't mind him on ball. He obviously doesn't have the fitness to do it for too long. But I liked that move from Wusher when he was struggling up forward, just to say, look, just just get your hands on the ball. Yeah, if they can, and I think they probably need. There's two things for me for Essen in 2019. A, they definitely need uh, Joe Danaher back in that time yeah. in that side to at least take contested marks um, in that forward 15, just straighten them up a little bit. But being able to have uh, Stringer pinch pitch hit in the middle, he is one of the most efficient centre bounce clear plays in the comp but as you said he can't do it for long periods of time no, he needs to get the, doesn't have the tank for it doesn't have the tank for it but he's also super damaging in the forward line yeah. so you only want to get him in there just to get his hands on the ball and, and probably give some relief to your um, your Heppels and your Merricks and stuff like that they're probably going to be spending 80% of the time in there anyway yeah another one I mean Hawley against his old side you know high half back he was fantastic he's just he's just such an incredible player just in relation to that the second quarter was not a great quarter to watch, so it went from four goals to five, six, and two, three to four, four, as I was saying, so Richmond and Essendon, respectively. But, I mean, so look at this for a statistic. So in the second quarter, Richmond at one stage had had 81% of inside 50s during the second quarter. This is probably towards the back, and I'm pretty sure this stat was. Yeah, wow. And then the Dons had only 19%, obviously from the 81, but two goals. So R- R- Richmond for so long through the, the second quarter... Ended up, ended up getting the 1-6, but really significantly through the quarter, like a good 10 to 15 minutes into that second. So like a decent amount of time, time. we're just holding the ball so long and just getting nothing for it or getting, you know, scrappy points. So we're just peppering. So it was, yeah, that was a bit frustrating to watch just from general observation. I There's been a lot of heat on Goddard during the week as to, you know, the Herald Sun every day is writing a, a different article about uh, what team he's going to. It's literally like copy-paste. They just write one about Collingwood and then they copy and paste it and then just change, change it, it to yeah. Adelaide and it's um, some pretty embarrassing stuff. But basically that's, yeah, so it constantly, I mean, look, yeah, he oh, there's no denying it but in terms of, I saw Kerry's comments that he looked cooked. I mean, yeah, he, he, he didn't look great on the night. He didn't have his best night. I mean, who knows whether he, he plays on. He, he seemed, It sounds like he is actually going to keep playing. There's a bit of talk that he might go to another side, obviously, around this whole you know crap that's going on in, in the mainstream press. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he obviously didn't have a great game, and, and he wasn't fantastic. What his place is in the team, what do you think? I mean, if you're Essendon, do you, do you keep him going for another year? Or do you just cut your losses, you lose some maturity, you lose some on-field leadership... It's hard because, I mean, I think he's still got something to offer. There was that sequence where he was, you know, going nuts at Hurley again. I mean, you've got to wonder. It's, it's so, I, I hate commenting on it because 
it's it's really hard on the outside, and I, I, I you know, I, I can understand where they're coming from. It's like if they're making a comment about my business, they can't see what's going on on the inside. So no, I think it, ultimately it is hard to comment. But from what you can see, it doesn't look great. Would you agree? Yeah, yes and no. I, I thought what he did on the field with Hurley and the other backmen, I thought was fine because he did it right there and then when it needed to be addressed. And Hurley's big enough and and, and gutsy enough to be able, and you could see in his body language and, and probably what he was saying that he probably didn't necessarily agree with the way Goddard was saying it. Yeah. I think he has been very... He's been one of the stable forces for that Essen side this year oh. without being exceptional. He's 33, but he went at 80% efficiency on the weekend and he had over 20 touches. So for me, that'd be like... It's only because Essen aren't playing finals that the spotlight's on him and whether to bring in younger players because for yeah. me, he's only one or two rungs below what Sean Burgoyne does for Hawthorne. He doesn't go in there and fix it in the same way that Burgoyne does because he doesn't push forward anymore. Yeah. But I, I'd i be putting him on a one-year contract at Essen. Absolutely. I think, I think, I don't know what his health is like, but if he's got okay health and he can if he can get through another off-season, it, it might be worth looking at it. But it, the problem is, I don't know necessarily what their direct replacement is. There's a couple of candidates, but whether they're going to be better than him, it, it still is a bit of a question. The big problem with Goddard that lines directly with what you're saying as well is he just looks like he demeans people on, on the ground. I think the optics of him, and, you know, to yeah. forgive the corporate speak, I think it looks, it just simply doesn't look great. And I think that constantly affects the pressure on him. If they, if they can figure out a way, have that conversation with him, then, and that's the only reason to not keep him there another year, stacking that up against his 2018 stats. He's played 21 games, mm. so he's only missed one. Average disposals is 22. His numbers 80, aren't too bad. He, hey? He's got very good numbers. He's, remember, he's 33. Yeah. And, I mean, he gets five contested possessions a game. His average goal uh, score involvement is uh, five per game. Six marks, you would say two of them are usually contested marks, or intercept marks, I should say. So if you're backing that up, or have that conversation. It's worked for some players, obviously different teams, but Sicily, Hawthorne had, the, had that chat given to him and his demeanour on the field is a bit better, obviously. Mm. It's a bit harder because Goddard, so, yeah. Goddard is a bit older, so he's probably a bit more uh, in his ways. But yeah. look, if he wants to play footy and senior coach comes and goes, mate, I'll give you a year, but this is under the conditions that you don't do this on the field. Well, and the problem is we and don't. If he does, know, off. <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem is we don't know no, we how, don't. how that's being related to. But it does. It looks like they don't necessarily. The other players don't necessarily love it. But anyway, we had to talk about it a little bit. But I think ultimately, it's a, he, yes he's not me. looking. He's not looking great. But if his health's okay and he can get through another off season, it, it might actually not be the worst idea. Because he's not going to be on much money, so it might not actually be the worst idea to get him for one more season and see how it plays out. But we don't know what his medical, the medical side of it is, because it looks like he's yeah. carrying a couple of things. As Worst well. case scenario, he goes back to St Kilda because they're looking for every old. The irony player. is, well, the irony is, <laughs> they get their hands they're off. wanting busted ass players. So yeah. he actually looks like he could be half okay. Well, he's yeah, at yeah. that age. Yeah. Take him over. That'd be absolutely hilarious if he goes there. Anyway, so we've got to keep moving. But Devin Smith, you know, the tackle man, obviously the the outrageous uh, punch scenario was not great as we spoke about, but he is the tackle man. Averages the most tackles in the game. He's the top tackler in the competition. He is just a brutal unit, and mm. he's not a massive unit, but he that's something he's perfected post his GWS career. He is a seriously quality tackler and one of the best in the game. And if there's any, especially young players out there that are wondering how they can submit 
cement themselves in a team, be it an AFL, VFL, take a leaf out of his book. If you can't get your hands on the ball, if you're out there tackling and pressuring, that'll go a long way to getting yourself recognised by the senior coaching staff. Coaching staff, yeah. And funnily enough, um, this was one of his uh, lower tackling games, even though you would have thought it was uh, just him going about business. There was yeah. a few players that had a few more tackles than him, but he's, he's an elite player. He's I'd still be, really good. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he's not all Australian this year. And I think he's, he's going to be their best and fairest. Yeah, he should... Cl- He's got a bit of competition from Heppel, but I think he still wins fairly comfortably at Essendon this year. I think he's going to have to go close to the top, so we better keep moving. But this is—it was an interesting game because there are a lot of talking points out of it. But ultimately, a few things. I mean, let's let's run through a few major points. I think Richmond can lock it in—you know, obviously lock it in their forward fifty so much longer compared to the to to the Dons, and that that's obviously a, a massive problem. You're getting so many more opportunities, and you'll see that in the stats in a minute. Ultimately, I think Essendon just didn't track Dusty well at all. Every time he moved forward, they just weren't able to predict it. And when they did, they were too slow to predict it. And he's just so insanely damaging. It's the, you know, for me, it's it's more damaging than putting um, the Dangerfield forward move, which this year just hasn't worked as hasn't much. Worked. Whereas it's absolutely worked at Richmond, especially while Dusty's been a little bit down at times. But yeah, so I think the other thing too, obviously, with Richmond is that, you know, in this game, and it really did show, Jack didn't have a great game. I don't know whether it was because he was playing Witches Hats last week at the Gold Coast and kick, you know, t- what did he kick, 10-6 or 10-6. something? I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether he just came out and, you know, he, he was kind of a bit angry towards the umpires and then there was that, that I thought it was silly, that comment from um, Hardwick after the game about free kicks and it seems a bit unfair and sort of playing the violin a bit. I think ultimately he was just doing that politically. So I think he's doing that leading up to the finals so that they're on a bit of a watch for, hey, we we want free kicks. So it's sort of like how Collingwood put it on the agenda with Mason Cox not getting enough free kicks and then it's starting to slightly turn around. So I don't know whether they're just doing that for a slight edge. I think that's just Clarko type games that he's playing there. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Just, just feeding the uh, the subconscious yeah. of the, the umpiring uh, fraternity, that's yeah, for sure. Definitely. But I thought Gareth Way was quite good. He got smashed in the face, but I mean, he came back. I actually thought he was better post his injury. So he, he, he was he was quite good. But yeah, Dusty just starting to build, leading into finals is pretty Starting wild. to build. Yeah. Jeez, he's a smoky for back-to-back Brownlow. I yeah, reckon. I think he's a big chance to, to maybe do it again. Although, you know, although Brown was, was okay. Yeah, I mean, lucky in a few frees, but, you know, he, he still wasn't too bad. Ellis lifted, you know, he's been, he's been okay over the last month or so. But yeah, I mean, the tackle on Heppel late was really good because it did get quite close. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, Rance, I thought that there was that thing late where he pushed Hooker. That, that was just unnecessary. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff you could talk out of this game. I mean, all night, it looked like Rewalt was just trying to take Mark of the Century as well. Like, you're just constantly, like, jumping on people's backs trying to take the most unbelievable mark you've ever seen. I think yeah. you just needed to calm down and just it's pretty interesting, do the, the basics. The, the, the commentary around that indiscretion by, by Rance. I think Hooker took a leaf out of old mate Rance's book from a number of weeks ago Diver. bit of a dive there wasn't I, watching it live I didn't think there was much in it I was surprised that the umpire got sucked in but that happens as I've said numerous times the game is not won or lost by umpiring decisions they make less mistakes than players do throughout the game and that was just a pretty funny one I thought yeah so next year I think Essendon need to practice when they get into situations like this well goal kicking but also they, they've also got to practice just taking the game on there were too many times where they played a bit too safe when they just needed to play 
on and just really yeah. make make a push for it. So that that's something I think when they get into these situations, they've got to be a bit better. And so the Don's record at the MCG this year one and seven. So that that's just brutalised them. They've got to get better at playing on the on the the size that is the MCG. And yeah, obviously the kicking as we spoke about as well. So premiership, minor premiership, sorry, locked in for the Tigs. So first minor premiership since 1982. So some pretty crazy stats that are coming out of Richmond again. So absolutely no hangover from last year. But if you look at Essendon, and we will obviously do a big season review, but you know they lose to the Dockers, lose to the Blues, lose to the Dogs, and then beat the Cats, Giants, Eagles, and Swans. So it's a they're a strange old side. They've beaten a hell of a lot of bloody good teams, and then they've lost to some not not so, so good teams. teams. So yeah, it's it's a Strange scenario, which we will go into pretty heavily in the season review. But yeah, a lot, lot of talking points out of this game. And Richmond just did what they had to do and just make sure they lock in that top two spot. So now so, that's done and they're, they're, they've got obviously the double chance, but also the minor premiership. And interestingly, there aren't too, aren't too many teams that have won from the minor premiership over the last 10 years. So it actually, I think off the top of my head, it's only two of the last 10 flags yeah, have been won by minor premiers. Wouldn't, yeah, it'd be something like that. I, I can only recall one off the top of my head. I'm pretty head. sure it's two. But if you look at Richmond's minor premiership results yeah. uh, in those years, they've either gone on to play in a grand final. Well, they've gone into play a grand final and either won it or got runners up. And I think it's happened 10 times. Yeah. And it's 6-4 or it's nine times and it's 6-3 or something like that. Mm. So very, very likely that the Tigs will be there on that final Saturday and either win it or become runners up. That's it. So we better keep moving. We will cover a couple of other aspects out of that in the Beyond the Game show tomorrow. So moving to the Saturday games, Pies versus the Port... Disappointing game in the end by the power. I thought they were pretty good for pieces of it, but lost it in the end, 115 to 64. Pies in by 51. So they really started to pile it on in the back end. Pies are a genuinely dangerous team coming into finals. And if you, let's let's go through the scores first. So 4-2 to 4-1. So obviously very close early. 9-7 to 7-2. So quite competitive. And then third quarter, 10-11 to 9-4. And then they completely lost it in the end. So only one goal from the power. To, so Pies went from 10-11 to 17-13. Not great. So 7-1 goals in the fourth. I mean, really disappointing from the power given how much was on the line here. How close they were at three-quarter time. And now are we having the discussion about the mental fragility of Port? It's got to be a thing. Well, you would think so. I mean, a couple of little indiscretions went against them. Obviously, needed to as well. This uh, Motlop thing, absolutely, that was a 50-metre penalty. But that should not affect the whole team to go, oh, you know what, let's just give up. Because that's essentially what happened after that 50-metre penalty and goal was kicked. From Motlop, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, very disappointing. They had so much to play for. Collingwood obviously had a lot to play for as well with top four on the line and whatnot. But you would have thought if you're needing to win this to play finals, you would dig so, so deep to to, um, get there. But they just did not look like a team for the last quarter and a bit. So, yeah, I mean, power in a really difficult predicament now. So very quickly run through the ladder. Richmond at first, West Coast at second, Pies at third, Hawks at fourth. Sydney at 5th, GWS at 6th after that loss to Sydney, and then 7th Melbourne, 8th Geelong. So the power specifically we're talking about. So they're sitting at 48 points just outside the 8, 109.6. So 
they basically that's it and the only way for them to make finals now is if Geelong lose to Gold Coast which is not going to happen or if Geelong only just beat the Gold Coast and Port beat Essendon by then they've got to beat them by like 215 points which is yeah, not so going to happen we've got to so make that's up it. almost 20 percentage points so that's huge yeah. it's just not they haven't scored two, teams don't score 200 points let alone win by 200 points well Geelong so. nearly did but we'll, well get to that game in yeah. a minute but, yeah, but generally speaking obviously that that's not going to happen yeah, especially so. against Essendon who are a really good side Absolutely, so. Essendon will want to go out with a win, Price, and, yeah. and um, obviously, I could see them winning that. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in the preview. And, and the chances of Geelong not, not winning at all against the Suns at the Z- Cattery almost zero. Yeah, especially yeah. after they murdered. I mean, I, mean, I made a ludicrous statement last week about the Suns winning, but <laughs> you, they nearly, got <laughs> they nearly it, did there. But I can't see that happening down at probably not. Geelong. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> So let, let's go through the nitty gritty. So they're, they're the score lines, and that's where everybody's at. So Pies, as we said, at third. So they're doing fantastically well. And for me, I think in a lot of respects, you can mount an argument that they're definitely one of the absolute top challenges to Richmond. And if they, the only, the big, big problem, and you and I were talking about this over dinner just before, I mean, the, 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 this sort of duct tape defense that they've had to put together from, from the Pies has been unbelievable and big, big, big tick to them but I think late in the season no done no how no Sharonberg and they're not going to get done or Sharonberg back that's going to really hurt them I think later in the year it'll against def- the top sides in a final yeah it'll definitely stretch and as we all know AFL finals is very different to home and away footy so expect teams like Richmond West Coast Hawthorne Sydney these teams that have been especially the latter two that have played final- Geelong played a lot of finals in recent um, times yeah. they'll expose that um, that young defence where where they can and um, and make them spread pretty hard. The thing for the Pies in their favour is unbelievably underrated but elite midfield um, with Grundy and, and Pendlebury and Sidebottom at the helm. They they they're probably second to Richmond as far as efficiency goes. When they get the ball, they use it extremely well. Those three. Well, we've spoken about how Collingwood play Richmond style football, and they they executed that really really well. And the the thing consistently like Richmond is their kids at, at Collingwood are performing really really well. Whether it's Meechek or you know, for me, I think especially after this game, I reckon Stevenson's locked in the Rising Star. I reckon that's done now. I think yeah. unless something unbelievable happens, it was anyone more. Around though, no. I think I think that's it. No, no, I don't think anyone's. But it hasn't been as close as it was last year. No, so I think he. Well, he's, he's played more games nearly every, every week as well into a top fourteen. Yeah, that's the thing. That that's what separates him from your Rainers and your Cheras from Freo. These teams aren't playing finals. He's playing Dudo as well. Yeah, yeah, playing finals in a competitive team and having an influence basically every week. Mm. There's only been, I can only remember two or three games where he hasn't had, and when I say in influence, he hasn't had more than sort of 15 touches and kicked a couple of goals. So not bad for a rookie season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let, let's go through a few other things with the Pies. We'll start with the winners. I mean, Grundy... For me, like I think it's a, I think I honestly, I know, I know, Gorn has been so good, and he's probably the best ruckman in the game. But that said, I mean, like Grundy has been so good this year. Like this, obviously, we've spoken a lot of times about how this is very much the year of the ruckman. But I mean, twenty-five disposals, forty hitouts, five tackles, goal. Like he's just consistent, consistent, consistent all the time. He's so good. It's unbelievable seeing two insanely good rucks playing in the one year. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a few, but those two are, are just absurd. I, you I have to go back to the Madden Brothers days when pretty one much. was at Essen and one was at Carlton when we just... And they're very different styles of Ruckman, but when you saw two dominant Ruckman for opposing teams, and look, you, the argument's there, all one-sided. They both have to be selected for All-Australian because they would play... If they were in the same team, they would get picked week in, week out together. Yeah. Regardless. So let's go through a few things. I mean, the good in, there was great intensity, I thought, from Port, but in the end, Pies were just too fast. Their defense is so much better structured, and just their structures in general throughout the ground are so much better. And as a result, their link ups are so much faster. And I mean, you spoke a bit about it before. I mean, it, Port are consistently. There's for me, what frustrated me through this game was they constantly went to the wrong player. I just think their decision making needs a lot of work. And that was something that really bothered me through this game. It wasn't even necessarily structures. There were other players that were open. It looked to me like Port lacked confidence in themselves as well as each other. It yep. looked like a number of the players really lacked confidence in their teammates. And that's a real serious concern. Yeah, I, yeah, they did. In the last month, they have looked like they don't trust their system or yeah. each other. Absolutely. And it's been faltering. And I don't, I don't think it's Ken Hinckley's fault there's something just whether it's the communication on the field whether Travis Spoke hasn't got the leadership that he once had and people don't feel like he should be the the one at the club to take it forward yeah I, I don't know and obviously all of this happening at the moment is not ideal with um, a lot of speculation around probably their best player for the year Pollock whether he stays or whether he goes oh, so I don't know if he's been their best player he's been pretty good though and I, I think he's going to go if he if he if he's if the numbers are correct if he's going to get 200 grand more but yeah, I don't know who's been Port's best player this year. He's definitely been their most underrated. They've had a lot of... I mean, Wines clearly hasn't had the season that he would have liked. I mean, let's go through a few specifics with Port. We've spoken a bit about the Pies. We've, spoken, we've talked a lot about the Pies the last few weeks. The other thing for me is, let's look, let's talk a little bit, and we will go obviously pretty heavily into the, from a re- season review perspective, but let's have a little bit of a look at their recruits. I mean, Watts was really average, yep. again. I mean, there's a lot of money being tied up into this, and Rockcliffe, I thought, was not great. He was fine, but not great. Now, I thought Motlop, uh, sorry, uh, Motlop was okay. Okay, yeah. Rockcliffe, sorry, was, was not great. I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, they've they've recruited for the now, and yet we're in a situation where they're gonna they're clearly finishing worse than they did last year. Yeah. So to not finish in the eight is going to be they're going from fifth to nine. That's going to be hard enough to stomach as it is with another million bucks being spent. spent. Yeah. And while yes, it may take some time for all of them to gel and and come into the system, we've seen signs that they've been able to do it. So why can't they do it week in week out? which makes me think there's something bigger going on than just those players not being able to uh, assimilate into the Port Adelaide style because Essen has shown that it can happen in yeah. a year. So Something that, that affected it clearly too was Ryder looks so sore. So he's really only been playing because they just they don't like their, their second option ruck. So they've just been throwing him in and, and consistently he's been struggling over the last few weeks and obviously he's missed a bit in the last month and a bit too. So... Yeah, like Ryder just looks so sore. But I actually thought Pollock was quite good. But if those, as, as we said before, if those numbers are correct, I reckon he's going to go to North. How can you turn... It's like 200 grand plus more. Yeah. That's absurd. You have to take that. You would think so, but yeah, who knows? I mean, these South Australians, they don't think the same as the rest of us. No, yeah. no offence, but... I, nice no, drive-by to the... Yeah, well, you 
from South Australia, uh, you love that part of the world. It's a big country town. It's not like the big smoke, so who knows? He might just like it there. I don't know. Who knows? But I, I think, I think it, he's from there as well. Yeah, well, that's why he left Brisbane. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'd be pretty rad if you get to Melbourne. Oh, yeah, that. I know. Uh, I want to go home. Uh, except if you give me 200 grand, okay, I go to Melbourne. Yeah, but I'm anybody. So <laughs> to, talking about... Um, Cash main. Yeah, talking about money, um, he's finally starting yeah, to repay... Nice starting to repay the faith and the big bank balance. <laughs> Yeah. Collingwood threw at him. He has been exceptionally good for this past month. But I think uh, what this game, he did, yeah, yeah, what he did on the weekend. I had it in my notes. Yeah, as well. this was his uh, easily his best game in in Collingwood Guernsey. Mm. Um, twenty three, uh, twenty seven to touches. Um, half of them were almost contested. Seventy seven percent efficiency. And he's hitting the scoreboard regularly. He only kicked one goal. But well, for cash main, these are incredible. Numbers. Yeah, so he's doing really well. So um, good on the Collingwood faithful for sticking it out with him, making him play a ton of VFL games uh, last year and at the start of this year before he could get in. It's the most uh, expensive. I think he must have been the most expensive <laughs> VFL player play. ever. Must have been. So, but it's going to be hard for any of these players that are coming back to push him out because he's actually starting to show the type of form that there was glimpses at Freo and I thought that were, it was a risky move bringing him over to um, Colling but he's starting to show some uh, some good form uh, leading into the finals that's it so we will keep moving we've spoken a lot about the pies obviously all, all the things we've spoken about Collingwood from a positive light all year again so it you know there's not as much to dissect oh, the side bottom was really good Adams was really impressive Pendles just does his thing. Grundy was dominant as always. Yeah, I mean, they've got so many options. They're going to be very, very good deep into the year, even with the outs they've got. It's sad. I wish they had done and Scharenberg in just to make it even more interesting. But they, they've been fantastic. And the power, a massive missed opportunity and a, a, overall a disappointing season because unless there's some sort of miracle and Geelong seemingly choke against the Gold Coast and then the power are able to beat Essendon by a million points, it's, it's, that's it. So we're basically writing them off and I, even the most optimistic power supporter would have to think that that's pretty much fair enough, I would have thought. so. Yes, but, it would be... Yeah, absurd. Literally, the... The bus that carries the Geelong players basically doesn't turn up to the Cattery. On Pretty the, much. Yeah. So that. we talked about how Collingwood's chains are you know, just so much faster and so much more efficient. Mark's inside 50, 14 to 10. So Pye's just getting so much more opportunities there as well. Inside 50, 64 to 39. So talk about speed and opportunity. That's that's exactly what the Richmond Mole does, and and the Pies are able to act that out very very well. So they're a really good side. They have, and then you get players like Tyler Adams filling in for yeah. Adam Trelaw. It, I mean, yeah, they're going to be good for a number of years now if they can keep this list pretty close together. Hundred percent. So we keep moving into unless you're a Geelong fan was an insane busted ass game. One fifty eight. You I, are hearing that correctly? Put a, but one fifty eight to twenty five. <laughs> So the Catters by 133 points. 23 straight goals. Unanswered, which is the first time since 1890. So that's, the, that was the birth of Burgoyne? Or anything. Burgoyne, <laughs> yep. Yoda, anyone. I, I, don't think the, I don't think the corner hotel existed back then. So this is no. eight, 1890 was the first... This is the first time that a team has conceded 23 in a row. So that, that is... Sickening, and to add to the ridiculous statistics, Frio were up at quarter time, so three two to one five, 
and then Babylon opened and there was insane hail and horrific weather and the Catters went, ooh, this looks good. And this then went, uh, good. somehow, and then Barter style and went 11, 6, 3, 2, and then 17, 9 to 3, 5, and then 24, 14 to 3, 3 7. 7. So yeah, just incredible embarrassing for Fremantle and pretty wild for Geelong oh yeah look they're still partying down in Geelong I think look so I mean biggest loss in Fremantle's history ever Ross's biggest loss ever oh, by a long way yeah I mean so Cats uh, disposals they were nearly so 391 Cats to 298 free, uh, Fremantle so up by 100 so I mean yeah, I mean, really concerning things at Fremantle, which we will obviously talk about in the season review. A lot of mixed messages, as you, as you and I have spoken about, from Fremantle. So, Pierce not playing, and the reason is that they're rebuilding and he's dominating in the twos. And then they re-sign Ballantyne and Bennell, who apparently has done his calf again. again. Awesome. So, if you haven't seen that, post the re-signing for another season, he's done his calf Again, yeah. So yeah, I, I have. I, it's a strange little black hole down in Frio, uh, as far as the football world goes. I have no idea. I mean, I struggled to figure out what Ross Lyon did uh, was doing when he's at St Kilda, but it makes a lot made a lot more sense in hindsight than what he's doing and or whatever other people in Fremantle are doing to sign these so-called older players, but then have a guy that's been around for a while and played super consistent and playing super consistent in. The, in the waffle and yeah. still can't get a game it's just but I mean ultimately ludicrous. his style worked at St Kilda but the game was different then absolutely he's still playing really this, trying to play the same style with this Fremantle group that's really a rabble so yeah. there's a lot of concerns I mean is Ross Lyon past it I don't know we will talk a bit about um, coaches a little bit on the Beyond the Game episode tomorrow. We won't go into that too much. But I mean, the short of it is there's two years left on his contract. So even if they are to pay him out, that's a lot of money they're going to have to pay him out. There is. But so might be, it might, might be a short-term paying for a long-term game. But do, the, do they do they take the two-year hit and get Ratten over there? Do they possibly. do they offer Ratten a really good deal and just see? I think he could be fantastic for that side. You'd think so. A different uh, eye for the game. Probably a bit more younger. attacking, younger. Um, has Less worked, angry. Has worked in successful clubs, played at a Carlton team that won flags. Came over to Hawthorne. One, one flags. flags. One flag at Carlton. Rats Juniors. Yeah. Oh, as a player. Oh, yeah. yeah, not no, as a coach. Was like, no, no, I was like, no, no played. I was played. like, I was like, what's in that wine? So, yeah, no, no, oh, think, okay. no. So yeah, and <laughs> I mean for Frio, it's damning that uh, yeah. the, the the two there's two players on that team that had stats that were higher than their their scores. So uh, their superstar in Nat Fife actually had more possessions than they kicked in score. And their Ruckman Darcy had more hitouts than they kicked in a score. Yeah. So not ideal. And I mean, so no Fremantle player got multiple goals, and then yet Hawkins kicked six, Parfit kicked four, Kelly kicked three two, Menzel kicked two two, Henry kicked two, Tui kicked two, Tui kicked two, Ablett kicked one two, Murdoch one one. So and yeah, in terms of in terms of multiple been. goals, one two three four five six seven players versus. Zero and so, on an off night, danger, well, danger conditions. Danger too. kick zero three. Imagine so, if it hadn't. Well, that's it. Imagine if it hadn't rained. Imagine it could have got even worse. Could have got it worse. actually at points it felt like the Melbourne twenty eleven busted ass game down there where they nearly broke the record. So 
Horrific game. There's no point really going into any of this. The Cats have locked in finals, you would say, because they've got the Gold Coast, and they'll yeah. beat those guys in, probably pretty heavily, and that's it. And Frio can start thinking about 2020. Yeah, and don't worry about next year. That's 2020. <laughs> that's it. So you've written them off for next year yeah, too. Pretty much. Probably. I mean, it, it looks. No, there's a lot. Well, Ross admitted he goes in the presso. He's like, well, which teams have done it? Let's I, talk I, about I, that. I, I Hawthorne. 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 Yeah. There's a heap of them. Richmond. There's a heap of teams that have done it in a couple of years. The, the, yeah. the Dogs lost their captain. They lost... How many people did they lose in every respect? And they won the flag. That's That was the most pathetic stuff. And to, I mean, he always... Really bra- bad. He berates journalists constantly. But that but was really bad. I think he just got, to got nervous, though. I think I think they get... I, look, I know, I know we've had this conversation before. And it, I, I agree. Like, it's not like they're Jake Tapper or like some, you know, really like switched on, inter- you know, interviewer or someone that can, you know, own you with points. Oh. It's more that like, I, I, I agree. But I think part of the issue is you and I are a bit older than most of those. Journalists, I think, journal, or you know, uh, I it know. must have been someone young. But if you're you a journalist out there, I don't know. Listening I, f- to I forget this, his name. Don't ask a question if you don't, don't have an answer, answer for yeah. it, because it's hard in that like, moment. But I know what you but, mean. But yeah. it's Ross. He's abusive. He's like, he's like the second. He's like the second coming of Mick Malthouse. Yeah. Well, he basically does the yeah, same thing. So, and I, and I like Ross because I thought it was a really good. Well, you don't even know it. I can't really handball. He was just did a handball. I just went, mate. I'll I'll see if you're good. That's at your okay. Job. That's okay. okay. You don't even know either. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know either. <laughs> it was that's very okay. Funny. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, so that's my Ross anyway, line. That was good. a good Ross line. Sounds anyway, good in my head, but... Uh, look, we're moving on. This is a terrible game. ass game. Terrible game. A million more inside 50s, a million more everything. So 21, yeah. 21 marks inside 50 to 7. So the Cats are playing finals again. Cats basically. will beat the Gold Coast Suns next week and they'll play finals, you yeah. would think, 99%. So into the Sydney Derby, great game, <laughs> 60 to 80. The Sydney Swans in the end by 20 points. GWS led for large sections of the game. Sixty to eighty. Wow, lived this, up to fantastic. Lived up to its good hype. Game. Yeah, um, very good game. Obviously, some things happened that uh, moved the momentum Pendulum. into yeah. Sydney's favour. So everyone knows how good of a backman Phil Davis is. Even though he goes that's under the, the absolute yeah. radar, he's he, there's a, under the radar, and then there's under that radar, and that's where Phil Davis lies because he is constantly. Held key forwards to very little influence on the game, and he did so until he got injured. Yeah, if he had stayed on buddy, the game, and then Buddy went off the leash and went, "Thank you, you thank look, God, you and you and you are going to get owned," and he owned them. If he had stayed on, I mean, the irony is just to park for two seconds. If you know, everybody always talks about all the players that Adelaide have lost, and the people they mention, and quite rightly, they yep. mention Dangerfield, Eddie Betts, Tui. You and I constantly mention Davis and Gunston. They're two players that were much more realistic dollar-wise to be able to try to keep. Dangerfield was always going to go. Yeah. Tui, I mean that that I mean that that's not not Tui. Who am I thinking of? Lever. Lever, sorry, not Tui. Tui came from Catton. Yeah. Old mate, wrong wrong <laughs> bloke. I don't know. I don't know how I got those two confused. But yeah, no, you you know what I mean. Yeah. Though. But yeah, I think Gunston and Davis are two serious. Misses. Yeah. Imagine if they had those two over Jeez. there. Far out. Bookends. Yeah. So anyway, but look, it, this was a great game, but you pointed out the, the real major point. If, if, if you, the listener, missed this game... Go um, and watch a replay. Watch it, but a big part of it is that Davis had flipped the game. Yeah. Because if Davis stays in, I, I know you know it, it's not just on one player, but I think that makes a massive difference. Yeah, buddy, and it's... It, 
we talk a lot about Buddy. That's because he's the best player in the game. He is that com- well. He's that so good. yeah. He's that confident against young players that have never played on him that he will. He just take it. He'll just take it up a gear and go. All right, come on, let's see me what see what you've got. Yeah, and he'll and he does it constantly. So I'm not saying that the result may or may not have been different. The game definitely switched momentum as soon as Davis. Yeah couldn't continue to play in oh, a fashion. He's the key defender on the yeah. best player on yeah, the opposition. So, he's so good. The fact that he doesn't get all Australian recognition year in, year out is beyond me. But that's He might this year. But that's just because, I guess, there's a pack of jokers in the midfield. But also, I mean, we'll talk about another man now. Let's let's actually, we'll do it now. The other one, while we're talking underrated, how good is Himmelberg? Yeah, Himmelberg's amazing. Oh, he's and... almost the most underrated player in the game right now. Uh, he's even lesser known than Davis. Yeah. If he went around the streets around Melbourne and said, what do you think of... Uh, Old mate Himmelberg. Are you a Nazi? Are you talking about Hindenburg? What? Hindenburg? What? What? what are you on about? Who don't, is this? Don't repeat that. What did you call me? Nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, no, he, he is outstanding. He's a serious, serious player that is week on week getting better and better. I, I mean, you look at his stats line. So 2-1, 11 disposals. Like, you, you look at his stats line, you think, oh, no, that's not, that's not necessarily an amazing stats line. But you watch a game and you just follow him. He's the sort of player just to watch. His one percenters are fantastic. He's, a, he's seriously becoming a player. Yeah, they've got a few like that, so, haven't they, that have been pushed into play. Well, they've had to. Had to play uh, senior footy. So, uh, I mean, Whitfield no, has Kelly, been playing, yeah. playing, playing regularly, but he's obviously had to step up into a leadership role. Yeah. He's been playing exceptionally well. Tomlinson has been exceptionally good this year. Taranto as well, and probably to a lesser extent, uh, Perryman. Yeah. They're just... All of a sudden, if they get all their players back from injury next year, they're going to have literally 38 from their 42 that could be start up in any other team. Yeah, I would agree. I look, so this was Kieran Jack's better game for a while. Kennedy, with all that experience, he was fantastic. Parker was unbelievable. Ronk as well. I mean, it's funny. This is something I've noticed with Sydney structures the last couple of weeks. As that, So it's not the outside mid, but it's the outside first delivery. So sort of like Saad is to some degree, but I guess he does that a bit more from the back line. But it, I, oh, I like McIntosh sort of at Richmond's a better example. So Ronk and McCartan, that those two, they, they are so quick. That, so for, let's let, play a scenario. So let's say goes from the inside mid to the outside mid, straight to Ronk or straight to McCartan run off their opponent, sprint off their opponent, and a direct delivery inside 50. That happened a bunch of times, and it was signi- it's, a, it's, a, it's a weapon. And it, uh, Richmond do it really, really well. The Pies do it quite well as well. And I've noticed more recently, structurally, they time it really well. It's all about timing. A lot of teams have the... the, the not a lot, but maybe, say, six or seven have the, the, the manpower, so to speak, mm. people power to do it. But the timing... Because it's, it's all about timing. It's all well and good to have somebody run from the outside. But if you've got someone in front of them, it's a waste of time. Yeah. But if, if you can structure it well, it just pierces it. It means then there's no chain. There's no link up. There's none of that. It's just bang, bang, straight to that first person, inside 50, that's it. Yeah, Colin would and do if, it. But if Buddy knows the running pattern ahead of time, he knows where to go. Go, yeah. And that's how he was able to get so many opportunities. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's harder on an audio format to sort of talk about that. But, uh, yeah, that's something to really watch. Sydney are t- getting better and better at timing that. You watch McCartan and Ronk was their man this week. So, really interesting. Yeah, and I like the point you brought up about Kieran Jack because we watched that game where Jack and McVeigh came back and mm. they looked like they hadn't played for a while and were old. But they're they look slow. Like stars, yeah. But now they're slowly. And Hannibal as well. 
to a lesser degree. He yeah. just getting a bit more game time and playing at that um, elite uh, pressure and all that type of stuff. There, yeah. yeah. Kieran Jacks, um, he, his brain just works on that unbelievably high level. His footy IQ is off the charts. He he might not be as quick as far as if yeah. you, he won a 100-meter race, he's not going to win it. But he's got those quick size steps and, and just can, as soon as he gets the ball, he can offload it really, really quickly. So very important to that team and the d- dynamics of how to launch from the um, back line, especially with no Grundy there. And their right? offense structures, yeah, yeah, definitely. So Griffin was injured as well, so that didn't help. But ultimately, I mean, to talk about Sydney a bit more. So Hewitt... I mean, again, talk about underrated. So Hewitt kept Coniglio to four touches in the whole of the second half. Yeah, unbelievable. So Coniglio is unbelievable. And then, talk about unbelievable, he's, he's, he's ridiculous. He is, I think Coniglio is basically A grade. Hewitt, that is an, an amazing effort to get that done. Yeah, to, to, I mean, to just run with Coniglio all, all game, which is basically is what he did, and then to have that type of impact and influence in the second half, a uh, huge testament to yeah. Longline being able to put that faith and trust a pretty young yeah. player. Yeah, And that, that lines up in terms of underrated. So he, he's my heat check. I think, yep. I think to, to keep... An elite player who didn't look like he was necessarily too hampered by injury or anything like that to keep him down to four touches is amazing. And a similar sort of notion, and we will get to it in the last game, Andy Otten keeping Ben Brown goalless is too underrated as players to keep two really quality top-end players to minimal influence. So we'll keep moving, but in terms of underrated while we're on it, I mean, Sydney kids were quite good. Hayward, again, was fantastic. So, yeah, they just keep finding him, don't they? We say this every month, yeah, at least once a we, month. They keep finding someone. They keep finding year, someone. And they keep finding someone. Next year, let's let's introduce when we do do the previews. Let's introduce uh, uh, every time we try to tip against Sydney, we need to come up with at least a bare minimum three or even five different reasons why we're tipping against them. Because every time we, we try to do it, we think surely not again. Yeah, and I go back on. It and I think, well, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that. So I think next year we need to have like a a, a pause before we lock someone in against Sydney because they just they just keep finding a way. And if they can, I mean, yeah, incredible effort again. And I mean, obviously, I know they played in Sydney, so it's not too far. Obviously, you get the spotless stadium, but they still played. You know, I know it's not too hostile either because yeah. it was fairly sold out, which was great to see. One of the uh, NRL games on the weekend, which had a couple of the bigger teams in it, had a lesser crowd than this. So great for New South Wales sport and obviously yep. great for New South Wales football because it was relatively close to sold out. I think it was about 22,000, which is fantastic. Which is great, yeah, absolutely. Great for, it's a beautiful place to watch footy. I know we keep mentioning it, but if you haven't but seen absolutely. it, it's, um, you, it's unbelievable. If you can get out there, and that's the it's hardest awesome. part. That's <laughs> the big problem, but if you can, it's So if you've got a helicopter really and you can, they can drop you off and at you're a loaded. park, yeah, yeah. you'll be fine. But it is an absolutely magic spot we loved to watch. It when yeah, we're up there. Watch, to watch physically, like anyone who's been to Etihad or I believe Adelaide Oval it's to cheap watch too. to watch the game of footy, you can sit anywhere and with spotless, you can walk around the whole ground. General no admission is like twenty bucks, yeah. and the general admission seats are awesome. And uh, yeah, it's just lots to do out there as well. So there's, there's a skate, lots to do. It. There's a skate park, and there might be able to be. <laughs> there's a station to, to get the hell out of there, <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah. No, it is a good venue. It actually is a fantastic venue. They've done a really good job, but. Massive, massive effort, obviously, from Franklin. Five goals for. He's um, just unbelievable. As we said already, Parker, Jack, yeah. I mean, fantastic effort generally. And 
yeah, amazing effort. I just can't. I'm, I'm getting semi-speechless with Sydney. They are, are a fantastic side. So marks inside 50, 12 to 9. So Sydney just getting a little bit of the extra chances. Tackles inside 50, so even more pressure and more chances, 17 to 13. So well done, Sydney. But overall, I mean, it was fairly close. So GWS up at quarter time, up against uh, Sydney at half time. GWS again still going really well. It was only at the very end. So GWS 3 3 to 1 2, 6 6 to 4 3 in the second and the third, 7 9 to 5 9, and then 8 12 to 11 14. So it was only really pipping them at the end, but they stayed with them. Yeah. And then obviously felt a bit of luck. Without a doubt, with Davis going out, really, to, be, to be fair, as good as GWS were, but if they've got Green and Kelly, oh, yeah, then, then, it, then it flips it again. Then you think, I reckon they can almost afford to not afford to lose Davis. You don't want to lose him, but they could almost cover it. I reckon they're that they're pretty. They bat pretty damn deep. Yeah, they absolutely. Yes, yeah, so they have. Um, even I mean. <laughs> Griffin down again, yeah. So that didn't help. But no, he's still pretty good. I mean, he gets maligned, obviously. You know, with the the whole scenario of how he left the dogs and everything. Yeah, around it. but and I I'm, think, but unfortunately, I think this is his final season with him because he's gone down again. He can't get yeah. on the park, so they've got so much. And debt. in his position, that's the the big problem is the role that he plays. Not to sort of you know one week at a time, you know, yeah. cliche speech. But the reality is the role that he does play. They've got multiple people that can do absolutely. That. They do, and younger players that can do that. And he came in at a time where. Where they were still trying to still learn, building, yeah, learn the game, win games of footy. They don't need that anymore. And also, when he left the Dogs, I don't think they re- like when and they got into GWS. GWS was still absolutely in that prior year a building side. They were yeah. not a top, top, top side. No, absolutely, not. I don't think that if the if GWS knew that they were going to make a prelim that year and go super deep. I don't think they would have done no, it. But I don't at think the, so either. But at the same time, you, you, you're better off getting, especially with all the all the concessions and yeah. salary cap and all, all the pluses they oh, have. Absolutely, you're better off doing it I rather do, than not doing it. I agree with. It's like Hodge to Brisbane, to, same yeah, notion. You better I, you're better off do, trying it. I thought it was. I thought it was absolutely the the best thing for GWS. I don't know if it was the best thing for Ryan Griffin to do in in light of where he was no. standing at uh, the As dogs a, and all that type of stuff. The whole pantheon of the game, probably not. Probably not, but it is what it is. I, I just love the fact that this rivalry now is as good as the WA and SA uh, rivalry with those two oh, teams. Without it's, a doubt. And you can only see it continuing to uh, go on for years and years to come now. And even if one team does happen to drop off the perch a little bit and and, and they end up being here and there at the other ends of the, the ladder, yeah. I still think they'll bring out the best, best in each other. Well, hopefully it becomes a hotter ticket in town and it seems to be in New South Wales, which is... Yeah. Fantastic to see. So let's bang into the next round. Speak next game. Speaking of went too fast. Here. Speaking of derbies, Q clash. The lesser You're talking about some famous. F- yeah, talking about some rivalry. But Jeez. there was there was a bit of heat around this game. It's so, almost turned into a royal rumble. So wowee, this is a. So let let's start. Let's set the stage. So if you did miss all the uh, minutia and sort of discourse around this game. So Nick Robertson's Robertson's uh, soft comments. So basically, so Nick Robertson's, if you don't know who he is, he plays for Brisbane. He made a comment that the Gold Coast are soft. So yes. the whole whole club, not even, you know, Tuke Miller soft or, I don't know, Lynch or I don't know, whoever. No, whole team, whole, whole club. The, the whole, the whole club. Everything. The, the whole yeah. Gold Coast. Not just the footy club. The which, whole suburb and city and area. The whole lot. Which I liked, I'll oh, I be honest. Fantastic. Because I think the interest in this game is very minimal. And 
I think they almost need a WWE type of storyline, especially in, in a community like the Gold Coast, to try to get some interest in this game so that the press can at least pump up hay. They, they reckon we're soft. Let's show Let's them. tell them to get stuffed. And at least, I, I liked it. I'll be brutally honest. I get it from the players' perspective. I heard a lot of players comment about it during the weekend and, and you know, sort of early this week, saying that, oh, well, you can't say that. You can't say the whole list is soft. And he, he better hope that he puts his head over the ball every single play. And I, I get that angle. But at the same time, I, from a general perspective as a fan of football, I liked it. I, I, I do too, and sorry, let's judge it on its merits and the result. Mm. It was a four-point game. Yeah. It worked. Mm. It, the Suns came out firing. They physically wanted to intimidate this young Brisbane side, which I thought worked. I don't know if they would have done that off their own bat. No. Because, let's be frank, they haven't done it all year. No. So, I, I, look, I get it, and, I, and I, the media manager at Brisbane would have been going, pulling their hair out going, you idiot. Why did you say this? But <laughs> It gives them ammunition. And Fagan and I get after the game. So that's the other yeah. thing too. So Fagan had said, I really dislike when the opposition gets given free ammunition. And I, I get that. Yeah. I get it. Oh, but- yeah, exactly right. Because had they been fighting for a top eight spot and there's more pressure on to win, does that four-point win become a four-point loss? Yeah. Who knows? So... But, I mean, so if you did miss this game, and I'm sure a fair few of you did, it wasn't, you know, the, the I don't know what the ratings were like, but the, the big thing out of it, to be fair, I know it was a close game, but the accuracy of Brisbane was embarrassing. So 3-5, 6-10, 7-15, 10 And Brisbane generally have actually been pretty, been good, pretty good in terms yeah. of accuracy. That's what usually you and I have come in the game, yeah. 100%. You and I have commented on it a lot because they're not as good, but they've been staying in games because their accuracy is actually not too bad. Yeah. But... Poor accuracy through this game really kept the Gold Coast in it. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I kept it close. I didn't watch it live because I don't have Fox, but I did keep a close eye on this game for no other reason than I put up a Hail Mary from more than half court last week. <laughs> you and I mess- <laughs> we messaged each other during the game. I was like, I think you're a genius. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to laugh my ass off how they got up because so it, yeah, it was the most outrageous call of the year. I picked the Suns. Yeah, there was something so in my guts. Old man picked the Suns. And uh, I haven't had my kilt yet, but I'm better because that severely <laughs> my guts didn't come off. <laughs> so that's maybe. If you saw last week, you'll get that episode, yeah. uh, get that joke. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, ultimately, Miller, I mean, look, to be honest, the Miller versus Zorko thing, so Took Miller, so a bit of background to this sort of, it was a very WWE style of AFL game in a way. So, I mean, yeah. the, so early if you missed this, in round five, these two teams played each other. They do they do the two derbies. And earlier on, so Zorko, if you missed this, Zorko refused to shake Toot Miller's hand. At the end of the game. At the end of the last game. Yeah. And then there was a very forced shake at the end of this game. And there was clearly a lot of problems. And at the end, Zorko was like, oh... He was interviewed on, on Fox because Brisbane won. And he said, uh, I can't remember who it was, you know, by Mooney or whoever, mm. on the on the pitch. And he said, oh, you know, I just said, oh, look, good luck. And, you know, you did really well today and well done. All this stuff. It was, it, it, I mean, anyone could lip read what he was saying. I mean, there was a lot of swearing going on yeah. between the two of them at the back end of the game. And I, I loved it. And once again, Zorko's a good player and he's done well this year and he's had a good season. And he's, you know, had to take over the captaincy in, you know, interesting circumstances. But, I mean, Miller beat him. That's just the reality. Again, he got beaten. And 
nobody Australians really hate a sore loser and you could see this week you know I saw a lot of on Twitter people you know sort of referring to him as like a curious type you know just can't you know hack losing you know really kind of you know being a sook and all that sort of stuff and I don't know. I mean, it was it was poor. I think you know. I think ultimately you got to be gracious in defeat, especially when you've personally been been defeated in that. I know they won the game, but ultimately he he wasn't. He didn't do that well against his opponent. Yeah, I, I look. I I agree wholeheartedly with with that. I thought I, from both, but from both of them, I think it's pretty bad sportsmanship. Obviously, mm. uh, whatever happened in that first game, whatever was said. I know he doesn't like the hard tag, but get over it, uh, Zorko. That's the. That's what comes with being watch, a gun. Watch mid- the Hawthorne game. That's what comes with being a gun midfielder. You're going to get tagged at yeah. some point, so learn to deal with it and be gracious at the end of the game. It's an unwritten rule. So as soon as that final siren happens, you shake hands and you and you just be sort of gracious whether you win, lose, or draw. So yeah, and then Tuke Mill, I thought he carried on a little bit after this game, uh, but obviously Zorko, we don't know what was said. No, though. exactly. You could tell Zorko was revving him he, up though. He, F F F. Yeah. Directly in his face, so I don't know what else he said. Nah, so look, and probably we'll probably never find out until they write books after their career or whatever. They do, yeah. yeah, so yeah, pretty disappointing. Hopefully, both players get pulled aside by senior coaches and media managers or whatever, and go, guys, don't do it again. Yeah, I mean, look, like have the on-field yeah. stuff, but as soon as that, you shake hands or just pat each other back. If you don't want to shake hands, but just look like because guess what? There's a million cameras out there. You're gonna get caught. Yeah, so. I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's funny. Like, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I, you and I, we both, we haven't spoken about this game at all since we got together tonight. But, I mean, I, I knew we'd be on the same page with it. I mean, it's it was nice that it was heated, but then some of the sort of flyover wasn't great. So, the protected area again in the fourth. So, Brisbane got a free goal. They just got a, a free, basically got dished. So, that's another, and again, I won't bother going into it, but another example of protected area being a completely ridiculous rule. Yeah. And I think the AFL needed to just overrule their own stupid rule of not... I mean, look, not, not it's hard. So, they said at the start of the year they weren't going to change anything, and then the, all, a lot of things started to become cooked, and I think they needed to just go, look. I know we said we're not going to change anything, but this is no. a dog shit rule. And the reality is that in the back end of the year, in a grand final, let's say let's say it's Collingwood Richmond grand final, and I don't know Brody Grundy runs through, and it should be a protected area. There is absolutely no way the umpire will pay it. No way. Imagine if Collingwood lose by a goal, that umpire is going to get murdered. No. Literally, could get could be killed. I, I would run one million percent. Yep. They're not going to pay it. So I think they needed they needed to get on top of this earlier. But anyway, I mean, it, look, it doesn't have a massive effect on the season, but there's already been a couple of games. But if they can't call it in a game where there's no influence on what happens for this year, yeah. what help do we have it's not in good. finals? Yeah, it's so, not good enough. No. And you and I want uh, consistent through the whole year, but that wasn't great because that gave Brisbane that sort of leg up, especially with you know significant inaccuracy throughout the game. But Brisbane, you know, they, they toughed it out, they got it done, and you know. Uh, Big credit to to Gold Coast. We we thought the Brisbane would win by a fair way. Well, I did. Sorry, you 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 tipped the coast, but in the end, it, it ended up you know being being pretty close, and that and that's good. Beams again was obviously massive. You Smart. run through some of the players. Yeah, I mean he, he's just been unbelievable. Martin was was really you know obviously dominant as he often is. Christensen I thought had one of his better games for a little while. McCluggage again, he always rocks he, up. I really you and I really rate yeah. Him. He's really starting to shine and really show yeah. why they picked him one or two I think it was a couple of years ago he took a little while after in his first year but he is absolutely going to be a star of the 
this game in a few years' time. He's he's elite ball user. IQ is amazing off the charts. And when him and Hipwood uh, play a few more games together, they're going to be a massive one-two punch out of the middle and into the forward line, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. So we better keep moving into the next game. So Saints versus Hawks in a bloody close game in the end. Yeah, Saints another. step... It's a close one, 76 to 80, four points again. So two four-pointers in a row. Hawks just getting it done in the end. Best, I reckon, I've seen St Kilda play, certainly since that draw into against the, the Giants. Definitely the best I've seen for yeah, a while. Yeah, they've actually linked up really well over the weekend. So if people don't didn't see or read in, into this game in the lead-up, there was a little bit to say that Saints were a chance. They're actually the fourth best centre-bounce clearance team in the comp yeah. leading into this game. But they do so, nothing with it. But after, they, after, after that, yeah. that they struggled, but they didn't struggle on the weekend. They mm. were using the ball pretty well and to only lose by four points without Carlisle. They lost him uh, very late, uh, just before the game, is testament and obviously very good signs for them for next year. Yeah. But at the same time, Hawthorne probably played their worst game of the last two months. Yeah, so they're, they're, Saints are the Evo Karlovich of uh, cool. AFL because they amazing serve, incredible start, really high percentage, ace, ace, ace. ace. But if you can get on, get on the ball and get a read of it, once you get it back into play... See you later. Yeah, he doesn't have too many backhand <laughs> options. Can't make the net. His forehand on the on the run is pretty devastating. But you've got to get. get yeah, he's got to get to it. He's so, got to get to it. it takes so, about five hours to get to and it. And the Saints are a bit like that in their forward line. They they get the mark, but they've still got to kick the goal. So yeah. the, a couple of guys did let them down, sales down again. Old mate they, memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked it in one, and disappointing. He's obviously. Um, under a lot of pressure and probably personal pressure to to kick goals when he gets it, uh, especially 30, 40 metres out on um, pretty uh, easy angles and all straight in front. So he'll obviously take the the pre-season and the post-season to rectify that, you would think, because he leads extremely well. He's got a great set of hands and he has got a really good technique. There's just something... Um, whether it's just belief in himself or whatever, he's just not kicking through. But yeah, they've got they've got a lot to build on now. The Saints, I think, there's a lot more optimism down there and uh, a bit more belief after the last two or three weeks. They've been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought early. I mean, the Saints' communication on field was a little poor to start, but then they got it going. The Saints were winning at first; they were up winning the clearances. Big sort of talking point out of this game was Jack Steele's hard tag on Mitchell. And I think I, I think it's the right way to play Hawthorne. I think if Richmond do play Hawthorne in the finals, which it's looking like a, a potential scenario, if mm. that is to happen, I, I think that they've got to go hard and, and tag him out of the game. Yeah, and they also had Jack Stephen or one of the other I think it was another Jack on got Isaac, 12. Isaac Smith if you've got two players that can take on those two in Hawthorne then you go a long way of nullifying the influence and the ability of Hawthorne to or if you, exactly or if you can't tag Izzy is block him and that's yeah. like what Richmond did with Saad in um, the Essendon game which we just didn't have time to get into in terms of the tactics but yeah it's it's funny isn't it I mean I think they're, they're the two key pointers and but Hawthorne were, yeah this is the worst game I've seen Hawthorne play for a little while they were especially early on they were very sluggish to start very slow Perhaps even slightly arrogant early on. I just think they thought this would be such a, a blowover sort of game. I kind of got that feel a bit. Yeah. I think they thought this would just be very easy. The Saints have been rubbish pretty much the whole year, really. And then the back end of the year, they'd really just dominate. But, you know, they, they were just 
His mentally weren't switched on. No, they were turning the ball over. They they just you know they weren't coping with their new structures. They hadn't adjusted to the fact that Mitchell was receiving a significantly hard tag, and I don't, I don't understand because surely they would have trained during the week for that to be a possibility. Yeah, I would have. Th- I know some teams have just weirdly gone. Oh well, let's but it's just, not going to happen. Let's, let's give him fifty three and see how we go. Yeah, but uh, generally speaking, it's not a very good idea. It's definitely not going to happen come finals. So you would think now, unless I mean, you would say Clarko's got a plan in place. He does. Yeah. He just hasn't put it to to work yet. So he learned a lot out of this game. I th- yeah, I think the it's not a bad type of shitty win to 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 get. <laughs> yeah, and I say that because um, I believe what Clarko and another player said the best best team didn't win on the day I think St Kilda were better over the four quarters except for the first 15 minutes of the game they were a superior side they got their hands on the ball um, first they were able to transition a lot quicker and easier they just let themselves down in front of goal so that's where that poise and that extra bit of skill um, that Hawthorne had got them over the line Uh, Silk Burgoyne yeah. yeah The top end of Hawthorne was pretty good. That's yeah, him, the thing. And, him and Gunston, obviously. Gunston's Gunnison was great. At both ends. Yeah, too. he's turning into he's to another Mr. Fixit and obviously filling that uh, the void that was James Sisley to get things done at either end. So, yeah, he's, 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 he's playing some bloody good football, that's for sure. The Saints, I mean, I thought the Saints were actually pretty proactive, which was shocking. I mean, I the Saints actually providing a nice link up. Their pressure wasn't too bad. I mean, ultimately, they were playing some some nice modern footy. I mean, I, I, particularly, I quite enjoyed their ability to crowd the inside 50 as well. They blocked really well, but then they were running back and providing their defense with assist, which they've barely done, done all game, year. Yeah. And if you can't do that, you're not going to win modern footy. No. You look at all the top sides. It's not. I know. Well, Richmond are lucky having. You know, you look at the, you know, talking top top with you know Grimes and Asprey and Rance. They've just got so many jokers down there. But generally speaking, well, look at Collingwood's a good example. They're constantly having to assist because they've had so many injuries down there. Yeah, of course. But they, they successfully pull that off. Whereas St Kilda, just, I, I just think they, they don't want to do the hard yards. No. It's going to mean they're going to have to run another K and a half really for the game. Even two, two and a half. But a lot of the top, a lot of the top clubs have that. Yeah. I don't know. So for me, yeah. But the big the big thing as well out of this game, and it'd be remiss of us not to mention, is Geary's concussion clearly hurt them late. I mean, he was he was playing pretty well. He's their captain. Captain, yeah, absolutely. And a bit like uh, when Davis went down at GWS. Not to the same extent, obviously. Well, but Davis was a lot earlier in the early, game. Yeah. Geary was in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. So that leadership off. Um, and But then the same, same could be said. It's like Hawthorne lost Frawley, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I think... The deficiency still is with Haw- uh, Hawthorne, with St Kilda's forward line. Yeah. They're not going to win a lot of games when people like Loney or Billings have to be their key targets for kicking guys. And Loney was absolutely unbelievable on the weekend. He read the play well. But yeah, I do agree. It didn't help that Geary, went, the game was in the balance. Uh, they had a lot of momentum going uh, on for them uh, and he's their captain so it's pretty tough when your captain goes down at any stage of the game yeah I know this is a little bit harsh on St Kilda but I think they need to work a little bit on footy smarts at times I know this, this example's a bit harsh but 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 just overall before I go into it more generally speaking in terms of setups and you know knowing what's the better option and you know going for the right opponent and all that sort of stuff like we speak about that a lot but even old mate Gunston, you know, he, he was lining up for goal and he sort of tapped his uh, index finger three times on the ball 
and that was an indication to uh, big, boy. big Boy that he was going for old mate McAvoy and then chipped it off the side and kicked it straight to McAvoy. But the Saints had set up for Gunners going for it. Yeah, there was so there open defend- space yeah, 20, 30 metres out directly in front. Because there were defenders going back so that if Gunster could make the distance, that which make, I get it, but yeah, yeah they need that. So just, I know, I know that's a little harsh because, you know, you could, it's a lot easier to see it on the telly. But at the same time, just just little things like he was pretty far out on the boundary. Like, well, it, I know Gunson's a bloody good kick, but that would have been an amazing goal for me. Yeah, and we mentioned that the Hawks would have learned uh, a lot from this game, but so would that young St Kilda team. Uh, things like that, mm-hmm. for example, they'll be sitting down and going, "Oh, cool, three taps." Oh, yeah. oh right, Make but it. but just knowing just to protect <laughs> yeah. space no, no, more no, than yeah. anything, because I'm being you, you can't, yeah, you can't well. That type of stuff as well. The senior players are the ones that should be picking that type of stuff up. Yeah. But the but younger players... is the problem. No, true. Yeah, yeah Gary's <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, it's... Uh, I don't know what's leading into this. I got. Uh, I know where you're going, though. They learn. They will learn a lot from this. As, as much as yeah. it's defeating and frustrating, I know where you're going. But I, obviously, yeah. if I'm a St. Kilda supporter watching that game, yeah, didn't get the four points. Disappointing. But I, if that's the type of footy I'm going to see for the next... 12, 24 months, yeah. win, lose, draw, you're going to rock up and come to the footy because they put their body on the line, they gave it their all, and you keep doing that, the wins come eventually. Yeah, it does a lot for Richo's case, obviously. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. W- wanting a, a, to keep going, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think he's the problem. I think you've got to give him the one more year and see how he does go, unless there is some incredible uh, options that do come up, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. But we will keep moving, but very interesting game, a lot of talking points. I mean, ultimately... I think we'll wait on criticising Hawthorne too much in terms of how they played. Ultimately, I think it, a lot of it was the sluggishness. And I think we give them another week and see how they perform against Sydney, which is I mean, a, they came a off, huge challenge. Yeah. If it wasn't St Kilda or a lower team on the ladder that Hawthorne played and they got away with a four-point win, you'd say, yeah, that's probably consistent with the fact that they've had to play Essendon and Geelong in tight games for the yeah. last two weeks. So leading into a finals campaign, it's... Hawthorne wouldn't want it probably any other way coming up against four well it's going to be four fairly strong contests with Sydney to come yeah they're probably just a little bit tired and a little bit battered and bruised but obviously got a full seven day break now before Sydney that's it so we're going to have to belt through the next one in order to get to do the bottom two so we're about an hour 30 in so we better keep going so Blues versus the Doggies in what was a pretty garbage game 49 to 66 so the Doggies just getting it done the can were actually up for seconds of the game, 2-2 to 2-1, 4 4 to 4-2, so really pretty terrible football, and this, I'm sure the, um, the camp of people that want new rules sort of looked at this game and said, oh, look, we can't have games like this. No. So, yeah, eight goals collectively in a half is, is, is pretty poor. 5-6 to 6-4, so, yeah, again, you know, barely cracking 12, 12 goals. goals. So, Really poor, 11 goals by the third, and then 7-7 to 10-6. So two teams obviously way, way out of it. Good on the doggies getting three in a row now, but yeah, not, not a lot to talk out of this game. It was pretty poor quality. Yeah, fairly representative of where both teams are at this season. Yeah. and So many what, injuries on the and dog what, side. And, yeah. and what's not on the line for either of them at this time no. of the year. Neither of them are going left, right, or centre. Uh, there's just a game of football, so they're probably yeah. just going through the motions. And I would have, I, I wouldn't be surprised if both 
coaching panels said, guys, just go through, don't get injured. Yeah, look, this this was not a great game to watch. This was um, pretty poor, to say the least. So we're going to skip through this game pretty quickly. And we've, we've, we've said that as the season went on, we're not going to do even time with every game. No. Especially for teams, two teams that are well out. As soon as it gets to that point, we, we've just simply got to keep moving. In yeah, the there's West no Coast highlights. Game. I mean, if, there was, no. if someone had an unbelievable game, like 50 touches and six goals, we'd talk about that, but that didn't happen. No. And there was a couple of highlights. So a fan threw a bottle at Dale Thomas. That I was, heard, um, heard that, yeah. A Coke that, bottle. Yeah, a Coke bottle. Almost a full Coke bottle. It's so pretty that, piss poor. If that's, I am joking. Uh, that's poor. That is horrible. It was an old mate, too. It was. A, he looked like he was about, like, 70. Retiring Carlton supporter. Maybe he was just... I don't want to say was it this. Fed? a bit harsh. Maybe he might have been. <laughs> he might have been. A Give bit, me my spot back. Might have been he was a bit senile or something. Could have been. It, but there's no excuse. No. You shouldn't be drinking Coke. <laughs> No, no, it's it's horrible, but it's another another blight on the game. Should be stamped out. But generally speaking, it's pretty good. But I I haven't seen someone get a full bottle. And and if the dogs player, so it nearly hit Dale Thomas in the head, and the dogs player that was on Thomas was like. WTF like it was yeah. like what uh, is going on whoever did it must be loaded I mean that's no, it was an old man just sitting in the, in the sort of but I think it was in the general seen, admission when was the last time you went to the football a bottle of coke you have to take out a mortgage oh the that's true yeah, yeah so he if, might, he, if he could throw stuff like that away maybe he rang West back and got a got a double mortgage on his yeah, maybe. Mornington property so as you can see this is the type of conversation we have to give a game yeah. like this busted uh, ass busted so ass one, one other one other talking point so this is the fifth spoon the very rare five spoons that Carlton have locked in since 2002. So in 16, Smitty nearly uh, spat his wine all over the floor. So in I six... thought you were about to say fifth <laughs> in their entire existence. No, no. In 16 years, they've won five spoons. That it, it isn't. That is a dreadful statistic. Because that. So if they'd won this game, they were a very, very slim chance of being able to make it. But unlikely. But at, now that they lost it, they they guaranteed the spoon. So the even, if the, even, even the Gold Coast get. No, no, no. It's not possible no. now. So that, no, that's I mean. No, they haven't even got that many spoons. No, no. And they've, well, they haven't been around for very long, but yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. But so five spoons since 02. So that, wow. is, that is a pretty bad statistic. And if... Uh, they've only played finals three times. Or that, with Ratton, I think, yeah. Yeah, 09, 10, 11, or something like that. They played three in a row. doesn't matter. So, yeah. But I think ultimately, you know, this whole... And we will... So this is another... This is a great reason why we do the Beyond the Game show. So tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about priority picks and yep. in and around kind of whether that's worth it and what the AFL are talking about. The camp of people, and I like, I probably sit generally speaking in this camp around the, the notion of handing out first rounders in the draft for teams that miss. The, so the proposal is very, very briefly, because it's hard to explain without saying the specifics, but very briefly, there's, well, and we'll go into it a lot more tomorrow, but there's three. So there's the, the notion is that if you miss three years of finals, the AFL wants to give you a first round pick. That's that's what's being proposed, which to me is literally rewarding mediocrity. And you look at that, I mean, the, the Blues have had multiple priority picks. Cruiser was a priority pick. They've had multiple priority picks and look look at the results. Like, I, I'm sorry, mismanagement and ex- I, know, I get it, I get the scenario around it from a business sense, but yeah, that's what, what, why are we, when you look at, you know, Geelong picking up Kelly's and you look at these teams that, I mean, Geelong, Hawthorne, Sydney, I've made the finals again. I mean, to be fair, like, yeah. look, look at Sydney fan, old mate Hayward, like they found, this is the thing, you go through all those clubs, those top clubs, it's quality recruiting and quality management Warple. and quality culture. Warple, pick 45. Yeah, where has he come from? Like this, I mean, ultimately... The amount of 
captains yeah. of state teams that don't get picked up. If he's a, this is what Carlton need to do. Look at the captains of yeah. Vic Metro, Vic Country. Look at the captains. Pick them. Yeah. You, they need leaders there more than anything else. They need leaders. Don't necessarily. You've got top end talent. Apparently, you've picked that many over the last two years. Uh, they need to look at getting hard nosed guys that have leadership capabilities and qualities yeah so we better keep moving we've got to, yeah, we, there are some interesting things out of that we've, we've already spoken five minutes too much yeah moving. we will talk about that tomorrow on the show from a general sense not just yeah, Carlson. so into west coast versus the jays great game 91 Jeez. to 108 i didn't get to see this live but i watched i saw a little bit of it live only about 10 to 15 minutes and then i watched most of it today so the d's they did it I they finally beat a team in the top nine. So they won by 17 points in the end. Yeah, so I'm going to let you take the lead. Sure. I think I've only seen about five minutes of okay. highlights on this. So to tell you the story of the game. So, I mean, the Ds came out of the gate really, really well. So 3-2-4-4. So pressure early. So one goal, four over the top. But then they, they held it strong. So 5-4 to 7-6. So really, really pushing well. Melbourne leading away, which is you know tough to do against that. And that was a very hostile crowd. It was about 55,000 bloody loud So supporters. that's a big crowd, yeah. yeah. On so you can hold just shy of 60, but yeah, very big crowd. 11, 6, 2, 12, 8. So it tightened up. And then, so then it got, then it was like, oh no, oh no, it's yeah, on, it's on again. Yeah. So here we go. So it ended, final score, 14, 7 to 16, 12. But... So up until the so the last seven minutes thirty to play, the D's had led for the whole game except for thirty three seconds. So that they basically led the entire game. Yeah. Lacroix kicked an unbelievable goal back into the game, and you thought, "Oh no, here we oh, go again." Here we go again, and it amazingly. So our, a couple of our old mates that we've been talking about repeatedly on this podcast all year, Kent and Melksham, both got a goal late. So it's not your Olivers, it's not your Gorns, it's not a lot yeah. of the players that you constantly hear around Melbourne. It's our mate Melksham that we've spoken a lot about and how important he is to that side. And Kent late locked it in. Yeah, well, and that's fantastic. That was amazing effort. Well, you definitely mentioned. How big of an in Melton was last week in the oh. in the preview, and yeah. obviously um, Again, that's clearly. that's why that's why they wanted to get. Oh, that's why um, Melbourne were happy to get him from Essendon. They he Imagine they had him as well. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, uh, like I said, I didn't get to see too much of this, but it Good sounds game. like uh, <laughs> Melbourne have obviously shaken off any outside theory that they had um, some fragile mental thrown, states. They, they've shaken a bit of it off. I'm shaken not... It. I'm, I'm not... It's no, one game. So after watching this game, yeah, and exactly, I'm not convinced for two reasons. Firstly, West Coast dropped off in the back end, and I know Melbourne fans will get annoyed at me for saying that, but to be fair, they did. And they had a lot of uncharacteristic errors in the back end of the game, and partially due to structure and pressure, because they... they so Darling went out very early, which which didn't help. They lost no. Darling very early in the game, and obviously no Lacroix, no Gaff, so on and so forth, no not knowing whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it, but, so there's two two flips of the coin. Obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah, West Coast did drop it a bit, but at the same time, Melbourne capitalised. The, the big thing is that their decision-making was significantly better. 
they didn't do you know the ridiculous bomb into forward fifty. Yeah. That, you know, from not to single mistakes. out Petrarca, but you know that one against but Petrarca. But old mate, and that, so that that didn't. Have, they they played it a lot better. They played the lines really better. They wasted the seconds. They, they did yeah, what you have had to, to do, do when you're in a position to win yeah. a tight game. Yeah. So I mean that's so the, the ultimately the story is the D's finally muscle one out, and that's something we're definitely going to talk about in this show tomorrow. The D's have locked in finals. That is the first time for a long time. Twelve years. So, yeah. If you if you you know don't know how to get finals tickets, I'm I'm not too surprised. It's you know the snow is going to be pretty bad this year with all the all the Richies. But you're an MCC member, so you'll be able to walk into any final you want this well, year. You're loaded anyway. You can probably yeah. buy the ground. So Eagles, the, crazily after losing this game, and there was a lot on the line here. We ended up tipping the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles they could still lose top two as a result of losing this game now. So if they'd won this, that was it. But if they'd lost it which they did the Pies are still a chance of, of getting yeah. that which is fascinating Pies, Hawks and Sydney could all take their spot if they win by if they lose which is you a, think not against Brisbane they're but playing they, Brisbane away especially after losing this game yeah, you wouldn't think so but if they do and it's a significant loss and one of those three other teams win yeah. significantly they can uh, leapfrog them because there's only about half a percentage point that separates second, third and fourth on the ladder and West Coast have got the game in game clear. That's so. it. So it's the first time since 1941 that Richmond and Melbourne both made the finals. So Hitler was doing very well the last time they both made it. So it's been a little wow. while. Interesting. Probably not something the, the Melbourne fraternity want to hear because... Immelberg was no. doing quite well. That's true, funnily, especially with the fraternity. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough too, and here's another little stat just to go off uh, topic slightly... I want to know when the last time was that the top three teams in the home away season were also the top three membership-based teams. So it goes Richmond, top. If Hawthorne finished second and Collingwood third... That is the three biggest membership based teams as well. That's why you're on the podcast. Well. You, bring, you bring this sort of stuff to the show. Yeah, like some of those Very random good. things. So fascinating. That, that fascinating stuff, but that could happen. But the biggest, going back to where the Melbourne to, have... To have the show, war? Or, the, oh. Back to the war, because yeah. um, Melbourne <laughs> have still, World got a big, War still got a big one in front of them. Sorry. So Melbourne now have yeah. that opportunity next, or this week, and we'll talk more about it in the um, preview. Yeah. Preview. That uh, they've really shaken um, these little whatever you want to call it uh, monkey off their back and demon on the back because they're going to be playing GWS at the MCG and GWS having played Sydney and we all know the theory of what teams are like after playing Sydney yeah. they're usually a little we bit we spoke of this all year yeah so they're getting the GW- theory is still working yeah right? so they're getting GWS at a perfect time yeah. to be able- and injured so- too yeah so to- I'll get Kelly back which is not ideal <laughs> no but they probably don't get Davis. For the whole game, probably not. So we'll wait and see. But yeah, any I just thought it was interesting, but not as interesting no, no. as my uh, other theory before that. I like it. That uh, Richmond, Hawthorne, Collingwood finished one, two, and three. Yeah, with the top true. memberships. Another point as well. So this was a quite. It was actually quite hot over there too. So big credit to the conditioning at Melbourne to get it done in the heat too, because they wouldn't have played in the heat for years, especially with it being such a long and Game of Thrones type winter here in Melbourne yeah, at the no, moment. It's real winter, it's so been pretty brutal. So really, really fantastic. I mean, look. Yes, it's their first one against the top side, and you know, so we're not, you know, the balloons aren't dropping from the ceiling yet, but it's still, it, yeah, we you got to give him some credit. 
Oh yeah, they played unbelievable. It's hard enough to beat West Coast when West Coast aren't up yeah. and about, let alone when they're sitting second but, on the ladder. But big credit to Melbourne. I mean, the structure was way better. Yeah. The decision making was way better in the back end, and they played the spare really well. And they forced West Coast errors. They did. If you watch the back end of the game, yes, the skill errors from West Coast were were not great. But if you look who's around them, it's pressure as well. And another team, key forward out, play better football. So yeah, that one other. This has happened what to half a dozen teams this year. Let's let's so let's talk about that now, and then you know, one other point, and then we'll do the stats. So, yeah. do you okay? So, this was I saw this raised during the, during the weekend as well, and I wrote it in in my notes here too. It's it's a fascinating scenario, isn't it? I mean, if a WA team is willing to pay and hand you something quite good. I mean, if let, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, let's say for argument's sake, well, very quickly, we can't, can't go into this too deep, but let's say Gaff wants to get out of West Coast. Yep. Let's just say that. Let's say West Coast are very keen on Hogan, which, why wouldn't they be? Yep. Really? Is that a direct swap? I thought about this during the game. Is that a direct swap? They're not that far... If, Hogan's slightly if, younger. If I'm Melbourne, yes it is. That's a bloody good in. If I'm West Coast... Because, I'm yeah. sorry, I've got Lacroix, Kennedy and Darling. Lacroix's at the back end of his career, though. He's probably only got another year max. I've got Ryan and I've got a Rioli. Smaller, though. Do you, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I, for Melbourne, absolutely. But for West Coast... At the moment, I'd we're like, seeing... I, I agree. At the moment, you're seeing that... We'll call it the Richmond mould. And I don't yeah. want to be disparaging to Pies, because they do play it pretty well. Yeah, and of course. You, you can almost call it the pie, tig, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that style, and a few other teams... Blend that, and then what? West Coast play a very different style of football. Their, their offensive structures are totally different, especially when they've got a lot of their players in. But I mean, it's, it's a fascinating scenario, and you raise it again. I mean, you know, you look at GWS; they they improved when they lost a lot of their tools. Is it gone? Do you, do you play? Is is the Richmond slash pie type model? Is that reigning supreme, where your major tool is Cox and Rewalt? And then you just got a heap of really good small forwards and midfielders that assist. Oh. Is that is that the future? That's the oh, now. It's the now. But I mean, there's a couple of teams that play slightly different. Hawthorne being the obvious case mm. because they've got two. Well, technically we've got three now. But it's very not proven. Good ruckman. That structure's not proven yet. Not yet. That's no. what I mean. So, so I agree. I'd, so that's why I'm saying maybe not the future, and I think team structure tries uh, will determine whether you have that one focal point with a big focal point with uh, more yeah. smaller players. But just going back a step yeah. to the equation, I think a third team in Geelong would help the scenario a lot, because they need a ruck. So they well, need more small forwards as well. Menzel yeah. and Hogan to West Coast, and then other things to pieces, come out of that. Yeah. Other pieces, okay. Gaff to. Melbourne, Lysett to uh, Geelong. Yeah, so the, I think be no excuses next year. If Melbourne got if no. Melbourne gets Gaff as an, I know that we're very much speculating not talking. Yeah, about absolutely. There's massive that, speculation. We can't wait to get into the postseason. It's fun. To, it's fun <laughs> yeah. to talk about. I mean, I think that yeah. Anyway, but look, ultimately, you're right. It's a good point, and yeah, I think. For me, it does. It, it is a genuine question. It's something I think in the off season we should talk about a fair bit in yeah. terms of general footy discussion because we will do episodes in the off season just randomly to keep you know because you know you don't, won't need to unsubscribe. We'll definitely keep it going throughout the off season yeah. right until round one next year and when we start the previews again. But I mean, I think 
ultimately, it, it is a fascinating conversation as to what is the right structure going forward. I think the final series is going to very much prove. Yeah, I think which is the right way to go. Yeah, I, I if guess Collingwood Richmond play each other in grand final, you almost have to say that's the better way to to do it. Yeah, and I guess it, I guess that's probably Hawthorne is probably the anomaly because they've been so successful with a two key forward and playing two key rucks yeah. for a long time. So them transitioning out of that probably takes a lot longer and they can still be competitive while having that. Whereas teams coming forward, I mean, West Coast the other one, they've got two key forwards as well and two and have played two rucks and they're mm. doing the same thing. But I think yeah, all the other teams, bar those two in particular, because Sydney are doing it now. Yeah. Well, they 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 they, they figured no force it out. into it, yeah. They were a little forced, but they figured it out. They figured and it out, especially and... when they well, they're they're playing. They're, they're I actually think the Sydney. Well, now now people agree, but I think over the last month or so, Sydney have been coaching really well. Yeah, over the last five or six weeks, I think they figured a couple of things out structurally. So it'll be interesting to see teams like GWS who saw that the two key forwards mm. was the way to go, and now with only one of them back, playing pretty good football without him. Mm. Whether they look to offload Patton or put Patton into a different role altogether, maybe as a ruck slash defender. So we'll keep moving. I mean, well, no, actually, yeah, one more point. More, yeah. One more point. One more sort of major point on it. So uh, we've got a few West Coast listeners that I think will probably um, attack me if I don't go through this. So we better we better do it. So there was some real anger out of the West, and there often is. But there was some real anger around the free kick count. So I know you didn't see a heap of the game, so I'll, I'll illustrate this one a bit more. But basically, the the narrative was that they were really harshly done by a lot of the frees in the back end of the game. So yep. the okay, so I, I re-watched the last 10 minutes of the game and uh, just earlier this evening in preparation for it because I just wanted to just look at the passage of the game and just see how it was playing. The Jones one, so to the listeners out there, and we had a few people tweeted us this week, that should have been a free. So Jones incorrectly disposed of the ball. It's around six... I'm going to... I'll probably get it wrong, but it's around six minutes 40-ish left to go. So look around kind of 6.50 to 6.25. It's somewhere in that gap. So there's a tackle slightly close to the West Coast forward 50. He's tackled... It's it's a clear free, clear free. It's a it's a it's a legal tackle. It it's it's been it's textbook, and on top of it, he clearly incorrectly disposed of the ball. Mm. So that is that's it. I I 100% agree with you there. But to be honest, looking through the game again, I I didn't see another one that I think was definitively should have gone West Coast, Coast way. way yeah. So it. If you've seen one and, and you're listening, let me know. But I per- and tell me what you think. We want to hear it. But I I personally didn't see another one. This there was, so the other thing was the Spargo miss. But the the other umpire corrected it. But the problem with that, so short of it, is Spargo was awarded a free kick for Melbourne, and the the kind of brief of it is basically that the one umpire clearly got it wrong, and yep. then it was overruled, cool. and then they readjusted it. But the big problem was by the time they got their their crap sorted, Melbourne had already set up, so there was so much stuff Changes around. The game, yeah. Exactly. So had he been had it been had it been awarded a free kick quite quickly, West Coast would have had a, a much better run at it. Yeah. But anyway, so there, there, there's a couple of things. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I've seen your tweets, and I, I know what you're saying. But ultimately, I, I, I look the yeah the 
that I think Jones went, he went to bite up more than he can chew and, and he got caught. But yeah, they, they didn't pay it and I hope those umpires got out of there alive because that was, um, the, the noise there was unbelievable and, and, then the, and then it was almost deafening the silence at the back end of the game as well. So fascinating scenario and yeah, really, really great game and I, it was great to see Melbourne play the structures that they're, you know, they should be playing and, and learning from a lot of their mistakes. But I'll I'll be honest. I, I mean, I know Viney coming back is going to make a big a big difference, and he had he trained really well today. So we will go through that in the preview, and that, that's something else. But I, I'm not massively confident in Melbourne going forward in the no. finals. I, 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 they've still only beat one top side, and I, I get that they they beat West Coast or a quality side, but yeah, not, well, not, not, not enough for me. It's only many, one game, and they haven't got any players on their list that have played finals football. So exactly, and, and look, we've we've clearly given Melbourne a lot of credit in in this section, but to be fair, yeah, it's still in the one game. So Marks and 50, 19 to eight. So Melbourne getting way more opportunities. Tackles and 50, 11 to eight. Their pressure all day was fantastic. Inside fifties. 55 to 47, really, really good effort on top of that as well. And efficiency is pretty good too. So, yeah, look, ultimately, Melbourne giving themselves more opportunity, pressuring throughout the day. But to be fair, and I saw this as well, I mean, West Coast, they're playing West Coast to obviously at home. I get it, I get it, tough team, but a lot of people out. So, I, I don't know. Mm. If West Coast had been even semi full strength, yeah, it probably would have been a different story because they pushed really heavily. I mean, they hit, they hit the lead with about five minutes to go. So, yeah. it was pretty damn close. So last game of the round, Crows versus North. Really good game and a bit of a shame it was played, you know, very much in the twilight in the back end of the round. A lot of people wouldn't have seen it, but really good game, 86 to 77. So Crowies just getting it done. We tipped the Crows. We thought they would just get it done. We thought Mel- uh, North Melbourne, sorry, were running out of gas in the back end of the season. Pretty close game, 3-5 to 3-2, 7-9 3-5. So fantastic second quarter from the Crows. 10-13 to 6-7, and then 12-14 to 11-11. So, yeah, I mean, just just really running out of gas in the back end north. And, you know, they, they performed pretty well early on, but they really left their run a little bit too late. And they came late really well, and going from 6-7 to 11-11, they really pushed and, and realized that, hang on a second, if we don't win here, that's finals bust. Yep. So they, they pushed for it, but yeah, ultimately the story of the game is they left their run way too late and the Crows are just too dominant at home. And I think the Crows just completely dominated them in the second quarter. Three points to, you know, significantly, uh, what is that, 4-4 four, four, four in the in the second. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot more to, to, to score, score in that amount of time. Yeah. So. Trying to make it back after getting completely, you know, inviscerated in 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 a earlier quarter is is just so much harder, and that's really what Melbourne did as well against West Coast. You know, dominating quite early and forcing you know the comeback, and you know, just sort of stretching it out. But yeah, look, Seedsman nearly took mark of the year, which is I don't know. Again, I, I think a lot of people would have missed this game, but he just dropped it. But that would have been unbelievable had he held on to that. I think that would that would have topped Haney's mark. He looked it looked higher. higher it was yeah. a beautiful shot of it. They got it. It was right. They. The cameraman was pretty close to that section. He got a really good shot of it on, on the on the broadcast, but just um, just didn't get it. North, I mean, yeah, there was a, as I said, there was a swing in the third, but yeah, they, I mean, just left that run way, way, way too late. Betts, speaking of marks, Betts took a, a ridiculous mark, and that that was just unbelievable. He's, he's such an exciting player still. He's been hampered with the injury throughout the year, and I think you know, dealing with a few personal things throughout different sections of the year. But yeah, look, he he was fantastic, and that mark was beautiful. Crouch and Laird, 87 disposals between the two of them, which is... Sickening. <laughs> fairly outrageous. 
and another record broken in Crouch, most handballs ever. So in a match in in completely in recorded history, so thirty five handballs, Crouch, thirty five. So that yeah. doesn't seem possible, but that is true. And as we mentioned earlier, Andy Otten, old mate from the Crowies, and I hope this ends him in your contract because he kept Ben Brown goalless. So that's a which massive, is great. Yeah, that's huge. That's a huge effort. I mean, Ben Brown has basically nowhere to be seen for the last month. He's kicked six goals. Yeah, and four of them were in one game for the last month. So it's not ideal. Yeah, so it doesn't mean obviously North Melbourne were winning a lot of their games on the back of him kicking goals. Yeah, so. Yeah, obviously a bit of uh, work to do, I guess. In hindsight, though, North are finishing much higher than most people expected. And you can't really be disappointed on their season if you're a North supporter, except for the fact that for 90% of the season, you're in your top eight. So that's it's just a bitter, oh. pill, bitter pill to swallow. Bitter pills, bitter yeah. Pill, bitter I mean, pill, I should bitter, say. Bitter pill, yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah, we will go... It's hard because we're right at the back end of the season and I know you guys are going to have to wait a few weeks till we do it. But massive credit to North and we're going to be fairly positive in the season review given oh. where they've come from and given where... You know, we, we thought they would be sort of, you know, maybe getting towards the eight, but def, definitely well and truly outside of the eight, at least four or five positions out. So to get only just out is fantastic. But yes, Adelaide winning for their pride in the back end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And which is good. Momentum and, for their season next year. And they've they're been, going to be been, so good next They've been barreled with injuries. So I yeah. think ultimately... Yes, it's poor, but and yes, it's been a disappointment, without a doubt, to go from minor premiers, the favourite in the grand final, to this. But you have to factor the injuries. And I know everybody gets injuries, but this this was pretty, pretty poor. But it, it'll, it, yeah, I think ultimately, I, I think Adelaide need to be given another season to see where they're at. With you know Sloan signing back on, there's not going to be as much speculation on you know their top, top players. I, I personally hope they give Sloan the leadership, and I, I hope... I hope I hope that um, Walker sort of just focuses on his footy, getting the the foot right. Yeah, getting the foot and, right um, first, and then being able to get it on the park and doing what he it does best, and that's take contested marks and kick goals from sixty meters out. Yeah, they talk about him, you know, behind the the door being fantastic in the you know inner sanctum, but. I'm not saying that's not the case, but yeah, the optics, so to speak, of it don't don't look amazing on the field. But yeah, and but yeah. sometimes that leadership change just needs to happen. It's happened at multi, many clubs over the time, and it, and it's worked in their favour. I think there's a handful of teams that um, probably need to hand the reins over now before captain current captain is uh, out of the game. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it'd be ideal if it's not... I mean, Salone is the obvious uh, answer and he's going to be there for five years. And yeah. so, but if they wanted someone for a much longer term, I mean, you've got the Crouch Brothers um, or Rory... Oh, Rory. Laird. Laird or the other guy off half-back. Crouch. No, oh, um, Miliera. Yeah, one of those. They've Dude got heaps, but yeah. yeah. They've got heaps. I mean, obviously Sloane would, would get it. Um, straight up, you would think. You would think so. That path. You would almost assume so. So a couple of weird stats. I mean, ultimately, other North North's pressure throughout the day was actually pretty good. Fourteen tackles inside fifty, which yeah. is pretty elite to, to six. Uh, but inside fifties, Crows just getting more chances. Fifty six to forty seven. Really stellar effort by the the Crows midfield. Really performing on the night. Marks inside fifty. Eleven to thirteen. But yeah, ultimately, we will go through these two teams a lot in the off-season. Apologies in the back end of the episode. We just can't keep going. But 
Yeah, look, impressive by Adelaide at least to, to go out on some level of a high. But yeah, it's still, you can mount an argument it's been a pretty disappointing season. But you've got to factor in the amount of players, as we said, that are out. And then North really, really overperforming. So hopefully they can back it up next year and, and, and really keep improving. Yeah, you would think based on this season and especially this game uh, towards the end of the, the year, both of these teams will fancy themselves for... Yeah finals next year and that's their, I mean every team goes into it a season with the, the goal of playing finals obviously but the realistic uh, opinion on these two teams from the outside um, footy world will be that they'll, they'll be thereabouts who would think yeah that's it so thanks so much for listening guys we really appreciate it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah thanks for listening again and obviously uh, there's going to be less footy to talk about after next week or this weekend because we're into finals. Yep, and bye week and then finals. But yeah, we will, as I said in the start, we will definitely um, keep trying to record even while I'm away and I'm sure we'll be able to get that done. Massive thanks for listening. If you could rate and review us, that would be great. It gets the podcast out to everybody so it's not just based on listens. It's also based on reviews in terms of the charts. So that would be fantastic if you could drop us a review. It just takes two seconds and it means more people get to see the podcast. Yep. That would be great. And if you haven't already, definitely check out our sponsors, uh, Hops to Home. home. Yep. Um, Craft craft delivery delivery service. uh, Give you... Excellent uh, collaboration of beers to your doorstep. And if it's your first time ordering, you, if you use the promo code AFL Deep Dive, you will get $25 off that delivery. That's it. And check out the Facebook show tomorrow, AFL Deep Dive on Beyond the Game at 7.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time on their Facebook. And until then, have a great night and day, and we'll see you soon. See you later.